FM, episode 295. Nope. <laughs> 2,95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.95.
Yeah, I had a little bit of vertigo like that when I was at the hotel. Even oh, yeah. I can, well, you can definitely feel the vertigo. It's just I, I kind of like it. Okay. <laughs> I have like this weird thing where I don't want to be near any any like tall wedges or something holding my phone because like in my head, I just like play a million ways that I could drop my oh, phone. Oh, yeah. And then like, yeah, like oh, no. And like, 100%. Uh-huh. I was watching I'm not the- even that far. Like, I don't even need to think about that. It's just yeah. like, I don't want to drop my phone. <laughs> I, was, I was watching the fireworks show from Disneyland from a balcony in our hotel. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I was leaning against the pole, and then I looked down, and I had to, like, I couldn't stand within, like, three feet of the pole. Really? Because like, all of a sudden I looked down, and I was just like... Anthony fears the pole. This you pole could give out. <laughs> wow. Hmm. Damn. I've, yeah. I don't know. I've never been that way either. Huh. Maybe my mortality, my sense of mortality is catching up <laughs> on me. So... <laughs> I don't need Maybe to, I'm just done with life, and I don't give a shit. That's why it doesn't bother me anymore. Yeah. Uh, High five, Matt. High five. Um, <laughs> uh, do we want to talk about games first, and then we can talk about video game console things? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, let's do that. Look, <laughs> there was one important game that came out this last week. Actually, there's two, right? Or, yeah. I mean, there's Far Harbor, and what was the other one that came out? Or did Total War come out last week? Total War came out this week. So Total that's your one. I know War. that's your most important game ever, so War why don't you Hammer. tell us about it? I, Arthur talks a little bit about it, now that I've had some time to play. I So the, the thing that I keep coming back to is that, in a lot of ways, it doesn't feel like a Warhammer game, which I'm a little surprised by. What do you mean? It both is does, it the larger squads or whatever? It doesn't. Like just the size of the armies is fucking enormous. That's true. It would be like the biggest Warhammer game. This would be like when you like read in White Dwarf, which is the Warhammer mm-hmm. magazine. Mm-hmm. Like when they're like in North Carolina, people got together for seventy-two hours straight the and played the nerdiest Warhammer game, a, like on a forty-foot table. You right, know, right? When I when I remember, you know, like. Back in the 90s, you know, when I was in high school and like we'd go to the comic book shops and like you'd have people that were they'd have their Warhammer games set up, their miniature games. And it'd it'd be like they'd have like a bunch of armies and stuff down and they would be representative of like 100,000 troops, you know, so that Warhammer always like the video games haven't been this way. But Warhammer in my head always was about massive armies in massive. Coincidentally, this is why I felt like Dawn of War 2 did a good job of feeling like a warhammer 40k game because like the size of the the engagements was comparatively small yeah um Um, and it was like squads but also i feel like the real-time element of it detracts somewhat from like game balance on the board game that is very oriented around the number of turns that things take and like cooldowns and and all these other things that just aren't as much of a fact don't feel like as much of a factor in real yeah time. it's i would say it devolves into chaos much more than the tabletop because like even oh, yeah. in tabletop when shit goes like crazy also crossbowmen are just way way too fucking powerful <laughs> at the moment yeah which is like the only reason the doors have a chance uh, <laughs> like arthur's right like it doesn't necessarily feel like warhammer because the scale like you're mm-hmm. like running around with like an army that's like eight times bigger than anything i've ever owned um probably like a like a fourteen thousand dollar army or something like uh-huh. that um and it's weird too because like a lot of the things i learned from traditional warhammer tabletop are wrong like mm-hmm. i would form my guys up into these things where i'm only presenting like 10 people up front but they're dense and long and in this game it's definitely better to just have a really wide front so they all have a field of fire and not only that but even if they're melee guys so that way it's way harder to get flanked mm. because your front yeah. is bigger because if you have a really high. small front it's easy for them to like hit yeah. on the front and if they're wide they'll wrap around so i guess yeah, it's different yeah. like if you're charging yeah that's true i don't know did you I, start I, with the dwarves i did of so course you did <laughs> so uh, which is the easy army yeah well i guess it's the easy army because so the reason it's the easy army is because all dwarfs have to do is 
fulfill quests. Their whole thing is they have a book of grudges and <sighs> oh, a grudge pops up and it's like, remember it's like the, Festivus every day. It's like the green skins <laughs> took this from us that we have to do it. And to win as the dwarfs, you have to fulfill all the grudges mm. and not lose your lands. Uh, and so that the makes, saltiest of the that makes it easy. Though, but as the dwarfs, then you can retreat to your land. You can turtle up. You yeah, know, you, you can just like build up your army. Like you a, can to an extent, but you, you do have to worry about economy. Okay. And if you're going out there and taking new cities from the enemy, it's almost got that civ element where each time you take a city, it adds to unrest. And when you have unrest, your income goes down. And mm. so if you have, and so you have to have like hero units stationed in cities to right. increase your unrest. To and, like you, and like you have unrest. to worry about building up individual cities to make sure. And like you have to worry about having too big of a standing army can cause unrest. So it has yeah. that like kind of the same things. Those very it's light total civ war. elements. Like, totally. Yeah, I mean, yes, war, it's yeah. very total, totally war, total war. But for me, who hasn't played that many total war things, I'm like, oh, this is this reminds me of. Civ. I haven't played many of them either. You know, and yeah. it's a four X game. Sure. Civ, you get those tax elements as well. All those things. Mm-hmm. So, the dwarfs are easy because you're just filling grudges, and you're like, oh, okay, I'll do that grudge at some point, and it doesn't go away. It doesn't expire. Mm-hmm. So, so, like, if you take a city that's in the book of grudges, and then someone else destroys the city, is the I, grudge still fulfilled? Ooh, I don't know. I think so because it's stricken the sense it happens. In mm. theory, if the game was actually dynamic, it would make a new grudge for that because <laughs> you can slide it, but it doesn't typically do that. I don't know if it is dynamic. And sometimes it, I, I play very dwarf way because I didn't understand at first. Like when I would take a city, I'd be like, "Well, this is a goblin city. I'm not going to claim it for my own. I'm going to raise it to the ground. Yeah. It's a fucking filthy goblin." I do city. find <laughs> raising is like a much more efficient way of dealing with stuff because you it don't is. have to like. There's no upkeep. No, but and you don't no need money. On, there's no mm-hmm. effect on your the order of your other cities if right. you raise a city. And it's weird, too, because, like, when you win a battle, you can execute prisoners or you can let them free. And like, if yeah, there's... Like, or you can conscript them. There's pros and cons to both. Hmm. And I'm always like, they're fucking greenskins. <laughs> they get no executed. <laughs> like, no, there's no quarter here. Wait, wait, for the conscripting, though, do they just turn into dwarf units? Or are they, like... I think they resupply some of your units. Yeah, like, uh, you, the replenish rate of your army goes up. Oh, okay. Because, you, you, like, when you do lose guys, that is a unit. And that unit gains experience, and it's like now there's 38 of 60 of them. But you can encamp to like replenish them faster. And you want to do that, like because you want ideally like want like your things yeah, going, to go up. Exactly, mm-hmm. going into mm-hmm. battle with like half your army or unfresh troops, like that makes a huge difference. Like because you can mouse over individual units, and it'll say like these guys are still winded, which means they're not going to fight as well, mm-hmm. and that'll make like a huge difference. Or if they had to run uphill to attack, that's a traditional total war thing. It's like. Now they they're already tired when they entered the fight. Yeah. Um, so the four X thing I get, of course, but uh, what about like the moment to moment, like real time combat? How is how does that play it's compared to other? Fun. <laughs> it's just that it's uh-huh. it's that it, it's fun when they're doing the closing and there's there's a lot of maneuvering going around. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh fuck, come to the flank, maneuver this guy so that they're facing the right way. Mm-hmm. But at some point, at, at, early on for me, maybe because I still suck, it still feels like it dissolves into soup. Just mm. like most, like when you watch a movie like Braveheart, right? It's like two armies hit and all of a sudden it's just a bunch of guys bludgeoning each other. To death. So right. I tried to be cute with like setting up ambushes in forests and stuff and it just never works. Like the, the cover bonus you get in the forest doesn't seem to make much difference. Mm. Like the only time where I felt like I was really outsmarting the other team is when like I would separate my archers and crossbowmen and, and like pistoliers into different groups and like flank on either side and do like hit and run attacks on them and just like thin them out as much as I could. That sounds very empire. Yes, it does. Mm. Um, which I mean, I guess the dwarves can do it too. Yeah. They're just so much slower moving. They're so slow. But like if you have crossbowmen that go in and attack and they're running to more crossbowmen that can cover their retreat, then 
that's like totally and i've now learned that by watching the way the ai plays because the ai mm-hmm. does that the ai waits and then when you charge that unit of archers they run them while the other ones just keep firing and so they're yeah. just doing mm-hmm. this like staggered fallback mm-hmm. there's a lot of strategy to it mm-hmm. it's just that as arthur it said feels like it's, it's, it's big and sometimes it can be hard to do that especially because you're like oh my uh like grudge thrower my catapults got time and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're like oh those wolf riders are really fast and they're already attacking the <laughs> my artillery so that was worthless and <laughs> they can't like attack when it's being attacked yeah so it basically goes wow. like yeah they, they get engaged in hand to hand so mm-hmm. um, so it's a bit more like uh warcraft 2 as opposed to warcraft 3 i guess so because warcraft yeah. 2 is like or starcraft were like you know massive massive armies and you and like you know unless you're pro level it was a lot more about like I'm just going to group all of this one type of unit into, like, you know, my control um, yeah, one your group. death ball. Yeah, I don't, yeah I don't my think, death ball. I don't even think formations that it's like that. still matter, though. Yeah, I think formations mm-hmm. play a part, but also, like, it's kind of just like, if you have the stronger army, you're going to win. Yeah. And if you have the weaker army, then you can kind of cheat. Mm. Like, at least as Empire. Like, doing the crossbow stuff. Like, the only reason that I thought to do that is because, like... I was vastly outnumbered. Yeah. And so like the other break units. Yeah. The other team wouldn't charge me. Like they were just sitting at the other end of the battlefield. Uh, And so before the battle started, like I moved all of my standing units way uh, up into, into the forest Mm. and like slowly worked my archers around on either side and started picking off, picking it the other team. Yeah. There's Mm. definitely ways that even when you're grossly outnumbered, you're like, I can still do this just because like you look at their composition. You're like, well, they outnumbered me two to one, but they're all like spearmen. Or, like, they're all goblins. And mm. so goblins, I've, I've gone into fights with the dwarves where I've probably been outnumbered almost, like, eight to one. Mm-hmm. But that's normal for but, dwarves versus goblins. Exactly. The goblins, though, like, they're so easy to break that, like, one well-placed hit from a catapult will make them run. Uh, so it's, uh-huh. like, that's why they have to send, like, 12 units at you at once. I didn't, yeah, the, the I forgot about the breaking thing. Yeah, you can that, that definitely makes it really interesting. Yeah. pretty, I mean, humans need to be pretty low to break. Mm. Yeah. I guess goblins are different, which is a war a Warhammer thing. Yeah, also. yeah, right, right. Yeah. And that's always that's a, been a part of Total War stuff for a while too, which is why mm-hmm. it kind of made sense. But obviously, it's huge in Warhammer, mm. um, especially with armies like goblins, because like, yeah, you've got so many goblins, but their morale is dog shit. And, uh-huh. and you see the AI do tactics like they send the goblins up front while the cavalry rides right behind them, mm-hmm. so that the goblins will they they soak. You know, the wolf mm-hmm. riders are mm-hmm. fucking fast. Yeah. So I mean, like, it does feel like Warhammer in the sense of the unit types they have. Like they have like you look at it and you're like, oh. There's the fucking spider rider guy yeah. from, that I remember that model and uh-huh. and like there's like I a, had that miniature and they have a pretty good offering so far. There's like six armies, I think. I think it's they? isn't it five? five? It's humans, dwarves. Uh, dwarves, orcs, orcs, chaos, and vampire counts. Yeah. Okay. Five. Wow. So and maybe they could add another. I don't know. I don't know if yeah. there are any more in the Warhammer universe as it exists right now. There's Skaven, Lizardmen. There's lots of stuff they could add. Right. I don't know if they, like, I heard somebody say that they didn't know if, like, the tech was capable of doing Skaven, because, yeah. like, that's, like, thousands of units. Oh, yeah, wow. like, they'd be, yeah. It, is it kind of like Zerg of just, like, a, the Skaven, a lot of yeah, more, The whole thing about the Skaven that. is it's always, like, thousands upon thousands at once when you fight them. Well, unless, you know, you just had, like, they were all the same number of units, but they were visually representative of, like... Sure, when you killed one, five died or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, what view do you play from? Because at the point I got to, like, I was always zoomed out, like, literally as far I'm, as it would I'm go. Just, I'm always, I don't, 
ever go in and see the glory of like little guys fighting hand to hand. It kind of feels like it's a little bit of a bummer, right? Because like the game doesn't look bad. It's beautiful. The armies are cool, but like it just seems totally useless. No, when I play, I'm mostly watching banners hit each other and then I'm (laughs) mousing over and being like, well, the math says good. Now move this banner here. <laughs> it's almost so, like you could play just like a 2D you iconic can actually, representation. You can, you yeah. can, that is what we're talking that, about. Yeah, There's a tactical map you can hit, and now you can literally just move banners around <laughs> and, and, and mouse and check their progress in real time. When you yeah. go into battles, do you like know what they're bringing in so you can you adjust do. your composition? You do. Like It shows beforehand, but you can't adjust your composition. Mm-hmm. You have what you have. Okay. And so then you have to choose either to fight or to run. Or and uh, like if you run, they can like chase you and catch you. So and then uh, when the when the battle starts, though, it's like you start on one side, and they start on the other, and then there's like a fairly large deployment zone. deployment area where you can like arrange your troops. Okay, yeah. Um, or at least that's the way it always worked for me. I don't know if you can be surprised and have that disrupted. I've had one time where I was in a town that was owned by an ally, and the town's the ally's town got attacked. And I chose to help them, so I appeared as reinforcements. I appeared on the side of the battlefield dynamically mm. yeah. while they started in the deployment Which can zone. also happen to you. Mm. Yeah. Like, reinforcements can show up for them. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, the battles and stuff are really cool, and it does feel like we're, like the units and stuff, like, the art is straight out of, like, the probably 5th or 6th edition rules. Mm. Like, you're like, oh, they really nailed the look of it. And armies play really differently. Like, so the dwarves, like I said, they just got to fulfill grudges, but how you do that is kind of up to you. Other armies are much more interesting. Like, the vampire counts sustain damage when they're not in a land that's like been blighted so they have to like mm. kind of progress and stay near their lands or continue to blight lands but they no, can also after winning it. a battle raise the dead and <laughs> summon a bunch more guys nice you know and they also have a, a mechanic that's in the tabletop too or when they're losing combat not only are they losing guys because they're getting cut down guys are just dissolving because when they're losing a battle it's like the will that's holding them mm. together is falling mm-hmm, apart mm-hmm. but then there's cool. the orcs too, and the orcs are interesting because the orcs, if they if the, you don't intentionally, you can't turtle with the orcs because if you don't go get in a fight, then your army will turn on itself. Like the orcs have to, the <laughs> yeah, have it's to an get uneasy alliance. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. As so. humans, the orcs are a pain in the ass because they're just like constantly like running around on the outskirts of your empire, sacking your shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you, as humans and stuff, it's like tough because you ha- you you can't be like oh, I'll just take my whole host out and around because it's like no 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 because they're gonna come back and attack yeah, if you don't shit. if you don't leave somewhere defended <laughs> yeah like it'll they will come and destroy it yeah mm-hmm. so that can be a little annoying the the chaos are interesting too because chaos uh i don't think if i remember right they can't have cities like they hmm. just they don't ever get cities oh wow their whole thing is they are just sacking they are going through wrecking shit they have basically no ranged units whatsoever they are just a really powerful turn towards you and just do you have smash access you to the, the chaos army i do is that like a pre-order bonus yeah okay um, i didn't know i yeah i've never known all that much about warhammer other than like you know having friends that have been into it it's so warcraft like, except well, less funny. sure I, I just didn't know that like <laughs> i didn't know that the um like the, the i always thought that the orcs were like chaos or whatever i didn't realize that they were separate armies uh I mean, sometimes there used to be in the support. book. Sometimes it's like, yeah, they'll fight alongside each other. But the orcs are kind of like their own faction. It's a really weird, convoluted thing. Yeah, Skaven are technically made from chaos, even though they don't serve chaos. It's like weird. you have to understand <laughs> that, like this is made by a company that wants to put out new armies and new units every year, or so to sell new shit to the people yeah, who so have that's already bought everything. That's why they differentiate. Just like there's beastmen and there's chaos, hmm. and technically both 
they can be taken by both armies. Like mm-hmm. they can interchange, even though they're two separate books, because as Arthur said, <laughs> they love to sell. Shit. And there used uh-huh. to be like different f- kinds of undead armies and those got folded into something else. Yeah. Or like mm-hmm. it was one undead army and that got broken into like the Egyptian faction, which I think we talked about uh-huh. last time. Several factions counts. of humans and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and even several factions of elves. Like, of course. Have, so. you, have you seen, this is Warhammer related, but not 40 K. Have you seen space Hulk? This like trailers for space Hulk. No. Oh. Wait, yes, I have. Yeah, the game looks cool. Yeah, like it, it looks really cool. It's yeah. like a, kind of like a Left 4 Dead, like it's basically a, Alien, I think, yeah, but co- like co-op Alien. Yeah. See, that seems that sounds that sounds cool. Yeah. Like again, that seems very in the vein. I mean, Warhammer is our, as I said, it's your typical. It's everything you've experienced over time. Orcs, elves, blah blah. blah. It just takes itself very seriously <laughs> like the only army i think in there that isn't serious are orcs orcs mm-hmm. are pretty silly mm-hmm. like you know they they summon spells and their spells are like a giant foot comes down from the sky and stomps <laughs> like the foot of their god right right you know and they're very like kind of silly looking voodoo like voodoo weird goblin guys and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's some monty python shit yeah with the orcs <laughs> in particular you know and they all talk like old english say, oh you know we're gonna get you like they're just like but it's right. like uh the dwarfs and stuff actually that's the one thing that surprised me in the game because i've so i've never played a warhammer game a fantasy game where there was like sound for dwarfs mm-hmm. and the dwarfs themselves sound like the craziest belligerent like like white football fans or something <laughs> and they're a little unnerving to me because i'm like my yeah. sound of dwarfs they're, up, they're all supposed to have scottish accents my right? sound of dwarfs are yeah are like the hero from <laughs> warcraft 3 uh-huh uh which you know is Murden the, and like World of Warcraft, like uh-huh. you know, I've heard plenty of dwarfs in that and stuff like that. And it's like you said, they're all Scottish <laughs> and stuff like that. So these ones that just sound like crazy, crazy angry white Vikings, <laughs> which I guess is kind of not too bad of a depiction either. Yeah. But it's super dwarfish. It just, it's just it was a little unnerving. Like, like really, a Danish <laughs> accent or something. Yeah, <laughs> huh. it's it's really good. It's a really cool game. It fulfills a lot of those Warhammer fantasy fantasies. Yeah, you know, and I can already tell I'm going to play the hell out of it. I don't. There's enjoy a the, lot of game there too. I don't enjoy the combat mm. a ton so far, mm. so I auto resolve most of my battles. If, In which case, you better have a more powerful arm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it shows you a meter, and you can tell. And if I'm like overwhelming them, I just auto resolve it. Sure, because I don't even want to play through it. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Because um, they can take a long time. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Like I can. think there's a there's a timer of an hour, and like the one where I was out outnumbered and used the range stuff to make up for it, it took like f- 50 minutes god the the last time i played a total war game which is a way long time ago i was still working at game spy so that's like 10 years ago it's now probably like the first shogun or something how has the yeah. stability been and for you so far like has it crashed for you at all nope oh i had it pause eternally one time i couldn't unpause it <laughs> chose to forcefully pause itself and never unpause oh. <laughs> what were we saying matt I was saying that, like, uh, I even remember back, you know, the last time I played a Total War game, going into, like, after playing, like, I don't know, for a day or two, I was like, I just can't do these battles anymore. Auto-resolve, yeah. auto-resolve, auto-resolve. Yeah, because I'm interested in the world overview and stuff, too. Like, Yeah. I li- and I like, and that's the thing, when you play the campaign, there are certain story missions, mm-hmm. and you can't auto-resolve those. Mm-hmm. And those, so far, I've really liked. Uh, because they're like, the actual, like, scenario stuff? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And cool. they're set up in a very specific way where it's like... This is the battle of whatever, whatever. Yeah. And in this case, you're going to have to hold out until like the dwarf bombers arrive and, and oh, AI wow. bombers cool. and come take them out. And it's like a cool moment. Yeah. Okay. And you're fighting in a really unique environment. Like most of them are feel like generic fields. 
And in that one, in that case, you were playing in like a great old dwarven hall. Looks like something out of Lord of the Rings, you know, like when they're going through those Mm -hmm. old dwarven halls. Yeah. That have like the ceilings that are too high to see and stuff. (laughs) Uh It's like that sort of vibe. So, yeah, it's like, um, um, I mean, that's that's what I liked about, you know, like the the single player Starcraft missions is that they, you know, have like these interesting story objectives that go along with the map design. I I might try and play a multiplayer game of this with a friend. Cool. So, um, cool. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, you know, it's it's interesting because there are other factions in the game mm-hmm. that you're allied with in any map too, or not allied with, but at least not enemies with. Yeah. And it opens up a lot of op- there's even like other dwarf factions that you could attack if you wanted, mm. or you can like oh, it that. has like a political side, just like Civ of yeah. negotiating certain terms with them. Like we'll come to fight for you if you fight for us. We'll we'll give you this. That's pretty. So cool. there is like a multi layered like campaign thing to it that's actually yeah. much more fascinating than just the battles, and that's actually what interests me more. Which is a weird thing to say because Warhammer's always just been a game about putting an army on the thing and fighting. Right, but, but Total War games have always been about that extra layer. Totally, and I think that's what interests me. Um, just because, I don't know, I'm I, as as generic in many ways as the Warhammer world is, mm-hmm. I love reading the books. Like, I'm reading one of the books right now. Nice. <laughs> so, as I play. Yeah, so good times. Um, you play anything else? Yeah, I played, like, the first... 14 or so chapters of Uncharted. So. <laughs> yeah, I think you're nice to you're probably about like three-fourths of the way through. Okay. Wow. It's a long game. How, how are you enjoying your long experience? So I'm playing it with my girlfriend, which in some ways I feel like changes my experience a little bit. Yeah. Because she tends to, her attention wavers during the firefights and stuff. Of course, yeah. And so I find my, my attention wavering during some of those too. Hmm. I love those yep. games. I love the story. Mm-hmm. But the place where I find it overextends its welcome the most isn't necessarily the firefights. Hmm. But it'll be these moments where it's like, oh, so where are we heading? Oh, we're going to that fucking tower over there. And you look in the map and you're like, it's really far away. <laughs> Clearly, we're not going to go all the way there. A cutscene will take me part of the way. Right. No. <laughs> yeah, you're going to go all you're the way You're actually walking the whole there. way there. Yeah, but I, sometimes I feel like it, it does. It, it cheats it a little bit. It might, but I'm saying that I feel like some of those... You know how I think it was uh what's the guy that made Braid? Fuck. I'm Jonathan Blow. Blow. Jonathan Blow said at one point, What's the point of giving someone a big fucking open world if there's nothing to do in it? Right? Mm-hmm. He's like he, it'd be better to have a, a tiny island like the way that the witness is that's mm-hmm. just densely packed. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's sometimes the level in Uncharted where like I'm like there's it's I, I'm st- I'm starting to get, you know, and I was listening to the Giant Bomb guys, too, and I kind of agreed with some of the stuff they're saying that it's not really necessarily gameplay to go from A to B on some ledges where it's like they do a good job of it in some places where it's like, how do I get there? Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like literally trying to figure it out. Yeah. And those moments feel good. But there's literally sometimes where it's just like a stretch of wall, and you're a big just, stretch. You're just and tapping you're like, X. I'm literally just tapping X and holding a direction to go yeah. handheld to handhold. And occasionally it, the game auto triggers a slip or something. You're like, yeah. okay. Yeah. But it's it's not, there's no, there's I'm not building it, any competency or anything like that. There, it's literally just taking my time. There's some of that later on you get an additional tool that like, the, yeah, the, we, spike. Uh, the spike. And there's some of it, but all again, some of it, it's very much, it doesn't matter where you hit it in the wall. You can, you can be fairly interaccurate with it. Yeah, and like I said that in the last couple of weeks, like, I just don't enjoy playing that. Like, game. Like in some ways, I feel like Tomb Raider, which you know I know they're not exactly the same game, but they're very similar in a lot of ways. But Tomb Raider, it, where well, they, it, they cross they influenced each other, they yeah. influenced each where other. Tomb Raider yeah. has like an overworld. You know, mm-hmm. like the cool thing about it is when I get a tool in Tomb Raider, 
and I'm doing the platform in Tomb Raider, mm-hmm. I'm sometimes doing it because I'm just trying to figure out what's around me because there could be something really cool hidden by mm-hmm. a tomb, for instance. Yeah, yeah. In this, I have those tools and I'm never like, oh, where could I use this to get me? Right. Yeah. I'm not. I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm going there. Right. Because Tomb Raider has that, you know, that Arkham Asylum Zelda thing where it's like you get a new tool and it's quite possible it could unlock something that you couldn't get to before. Yeah. That you kept trying to get to, but you were frustrated by, you know, the, the tool gating. <laughs> Right. Um, I mean, like in Uncharted, it's just a straight line. Like, yeah, it's yeah. a very pretty it straight line. It is a gorgeous there, straight. There, there's some wide areas. Yeah, there is a little bit. Like, like, but like that's. I guess that's. Is it? But is it like? Is it just a hallway? Like, no, is it a no, wider no. hallway? It, it's. It's. I mean, it, it is. There but, are areas where it has verticality, and you're going up and down between them, and there's like. Yeah, like but, early when you come into Madagascar and you have the car, and like you can go. To these different towers that part's really fucking cool that's the yeah. thing about that game that game has a lot of moments where you're like oh wow they're really gonna give me a car and just let me drive around this area and, yeah. and mm. pick it apart how i want that's cool yeah which just then makes the parts stand out the, all the more where you're like going down a big path and you're like yeah i'm really just mashing handholds right now yeah, that's right. kind of weird yeah there, there, there are a couple sections that overstates welcome like i feel like yeah there's a couple especially on some of the later islands yep that i'm like this is getting tedious to the point where i'm like I feel like, you know, they have a director in that game. They needed an editor. (laughs) They just needed someone that could say, like, it's really gorgeous. Like, I'll say that. If you you just want to take pictures and stuff, because it has a picture mode. The photo mode is fantastic. (laughs) That game is phenomenal looking. Like, those guys know how to do fakery and tricks and all kinds of stuff that are just, they make their games look better than anyone else's, Mm -hmm. for the most part, Mm -hmm. on PS4. Mm -hmm. And, uh... But like, yeah, I just felt like some of those, some of those parts, I was just like, Jesus Christ. Like, well, you know, it's like people like, uh, there's been a number of years now where people have shit all over quick time events, which I've never understood. Uh, I think that there was a period in game design where they were definitely overused. Yeah. But you know, those parts where you're, you know, you're just holding right and hitting X to jump off ledges, you know, like if... Uh, if something broke and you had to mash X even just a little bit so that he could climb back up and not die. Or even hit any button just to re Right, exactly. And it's like quick time events basically solve that problem where it's like we don't want people to feel like they have to master an incredibly complex control scheme just to climb up a wall. Right. But, you know, like they've, it sounds like they've taken it too far the other way where it's like the third Prince of Persia where like no matter what you do, you just go to the area that you need to go that's to. Kind of, that's kind of how it feels. And what the part that kind of drives me crazy about it is there's so many instances where shit breaks to the point where my girlfriend would make fun of it and be like, do you think this will break? And then it totally would. <laughs> you know, and, he, and he falls and he grips and there's no real sense of threat because yeah. he's never going to fall. Right. But then there's the parts where... All of a sudden, you're like, well, there must not be a real big sense of threat here. And they're like, no, we'll fucking kill you if you don't do it exactly fucking right. We're going to kill you every yeah. time. He falls three feet, and he's fucking dead. He fell 40 feet earlier and did a roll out of it, but he falls these three feet. It's a kill zone. Yeah. Like, yeah. And like, I feel like this game like relies heavily on its tropes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also, I think, breaks them later on. Like, it, it very mm-hmm. much, like, it, it, reali- it gets them sometimes, and then it comes back, and it's like, no... Like, what, what you actually thought was a little bit wrong right here. Yeah. I mean, the game is awesome. I still think it's really fun. Yeah. Are you guys enjoying and, like, the story? The story, is, yeah. the story is good. Yeah. The story is really good. If a little bit times, like, almost heavier than I want from an Uncharted in yeah. some extent. Like, you know, like, the old Uncharted's were Indiana Jones. And Indiana Jones is just kind of like, 
it's an adventure. Ha ha ha. He's gonna make drugs. Right, with some mm-hmm. sensitive and drama moments and, and some this love stories. This one's kind of like, yeah. we're gonna make you sad. Yeah. <laughs> about Drake is a adventure. dick, is yeah. what I hear. Yeah. yeah. He is a very much not a nice person in this game. And so you're just like, and that's kind of... Because that's the whole thing about Drake, is that like he's a rogue, but you're always rooting for him because he's kind of a lovable rogue. And I feel like it's weird. It's kind of a weird twist for his character. Mm-hmm. I feel like the the lack of Amy Hennig being there is very obvious. Little, maybe a little, is, a little bit too much Joel, not enough Drake. Yeah. Like, you know, and you're just like, huh. Like, to me, that just felt a little weird. Mm-hmm. Like, some of the choices they made, even with uh, his wife's character and stuff like Let that. Him, yeah. Like, oh, like yeah, I'm like, yeah. it just, it's, it's, some of the, those things feel disjointed. The moment-to-moment story and stuff, though, is still a fun adventure, and the sceneries are beautiful, and it has the moments just like Goonies of, like, opening up into a pirate cave, and you're like, holy shit, I can't believe... I mean, this could never be in real life, We're but it's so fun to We're in here screaming like, a minute. Um, so my, my, my... Loser win. Winning by 10 right now with a minute left? I've already heard screaming while we've been going. Yeah. Um, Warriors are going to win. So, um, so with the... Uh, so my big question about Uncharted, though, is that my favorite parts in any Uncharted are when you walk into a stage and you're like, wow, this is really pretty. And then by the time you're done with it, you're like, I can't believe that entire thing was one enormous puzzle that I had to like solve through. Yeah, there's a, there's some of that. There's like a clock tower. That, that one is really good. Yeah, but the, the puzzles, they're usually not as quite as grandiose. But they're pretty cool because there's some involving of the, your journal and oh, how you solve yeah. them and stuff. Yeah, now. Mm. The, the little paper, the little yeah, paper notes. Yeah, his journal is much more useful and stuff. I, they're pretty smart. Yeah, yeah. And I also just think, you know, if you've ever been a big fan of like Pirates of the Caribbean and stuff, this is very pirate themed, and there's some mm-hmm. beautiful moments. Like, it's a gorgeous game with a fun enough story that I think is totally worth playing. Yeah, there. Uh, there's also a, a Monkey Island reference, like a very. <laughs> Obvious. Uh, obvious. <laughs> slash is me as someone who has only yeah. seen Monkey Island and never yeah. played it, got it immediately. <laughs> yeah. I've played yeah. that game a bunch. So, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a cool game. Yeah. I, I guess some, some part of me just wishes that it wasn't as dark as it is sometimes, mm-hmm. just because that's... It does feel like... The, the stuff I've heard is that it feels like it's working through a lot of man pain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, so I, I've had that in a sense that, like... Uh, it's definitely got like pain. the game that well i just mean the game starts like i think we've all had times where you're like maybe you just like th- you remember fondly when you were like younger and mm-hmm. you're like i had nothing to worry about it was just whatever like i want like in a way it's like you can think about it kind of selfishly right mm-hmm. like listen me someone who lives with a girlfriend and stuff now my time gets split in a different way and sometimes mm-hmm. i can be like oh man Remember when you were like fresh out of college and nothing mattered and you just did whatever you wanted? Like, okay. And this has a little bit of that going on early you on. You come in the to game. my place after we got off work at Tower and watch a movie until one or two in the morning. That's what everybody. I mean, right? It, it was easier. Yeah. You, there was just less responsibility. And sometimes. Well, right. It's because like you didn't have any sense of your own mortality or time creeping up on you. So it was just like. I can do whatever I want because there's always going to be a tomorrow where I, I can get my think shit it's together. That so much as like <laughs> you don't like you don't have people that expect you to give them that time or you don't care. Yeah, like right. Yeah. It's just you know like I'm. I, there are pros and cons to being in a relationship. Yep, I'm very happy to be in the relationship when I'm in, but I can also recognize that that means that I have less time to myself. Right. Yeah, of course. And so as long as you're not saying the word pros and cons about it to your girlfriend, it's fine. <laughs> no, I think I could say that to her. I mean, she, we can be realistic, like. Yeah, like I, the pros vastly outweigh the cons. 
But I'm just saying yep. that I can be realistic that there are times that I wish I had more free time. I mean, her and I have talked about that. Before. Yeah, it's, it's of like, course. It, like all most most relationships need personal time. Right. Well, obviously. you have to be able to talk about that kind of stuff if you're going to have a successful relationship. <sighs> yeah, obviously. But it's just like a. But, you know, that's always one of those things I think people struggle with in any relationship. Regardless, Definitely. I think that that's something that Uncharted touches a little bit upon. I've been mean, meaning to talk to you, Anthony, about how much of my time you demand. Uncharted mm. has it touches a little bit of that. And, I, you know, of him being like, hi, oh, yep, I sure used to go around the world and do crazy shit. And now <laughs> I'm just a guy with a nine to fiver. Like, it, it does, it does <laughs> touch. Although, I really like the, those moments because it was very much like it showed that these characters have changed where it was like. I. I guess I just feel like Lord. this sounds like it's part of like this trend of like 40 year old dudes, like looking back and missing their youth or reconciling, missing their youth with their responsibilities now and writing video games about it. What? I mean, yeah. so, so, so you're saying that artists create art based off their lives and their life yeah, experiences, but, I'm not, but it's like for a while it was like adventure and then it was dudes have daughters and now it's dudes like look back and miss when they were younger. It's like everybody is moving in the same direction and there's not like a sense of being different. Like firewatch is a similar kind of story. Oh, I haven't played firewatch. Yeah. I still Um, haven't played it. I feel bad about that. Um, but yeah, which isn't to say it's bad. I'm just saying that it's like a trend. It's just like, late thirties, early forties dudes, like looking back and saying, have I wasted my life? Like, what am I doing with my life? Like, yeah. But I think that's like part of the human experience and that's okay that the games are reflecting that. Again, I'm not saying it's bad that yeah. some games are doing that. I feel like lots and lots of games are doing that. And sure. that like the zeitgeist is fall is like all these dudes that are the same age are the same people that are writing every game. And it's leading to like this, very strong sense of deja vu with a lot of these narratives as somebody who doesn't play every game that comes out anymore i have a hard time seeing that trend fallout another example of a similar kind of game like where is my kid what about my wife what i've missed so much <laughs> well, i just that's how it started and then yeah. I just gave up my fucking kid. <laughs> it's just like, ah, yeah, well, you're out in the world. <laughs> you're probably dead. Yeah. Maybe I'll find you somewhere. Maybe I'll just you're an old man. You. I'm like, well, if you're an old man, then fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. I don't know what the statute of limitations is now. That game has been out for a while. Since last November. Well, if you're mad about it. Uh, you can write those letters at e-sleep-game.com. Yeah, exactly. So Subject line, fuck or you, you tweeted him at Chuff Money. Uncharted yeah. is still very fun. I think it'll be a cool... Uh, it's a, I'm curious to see how it concludes. Yeah. You know, Are you going to finish it? Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm going to finish that before I move on to Doom. That's my current plan. Right so, on. Um, and then... Try not to play through Doom in like one or two sittings like oh, i, I think, don't think that you'll be able to because that game is actually pretty fucking long i don't think i'll sure. be able to because my gaming time gets so broken up nowadays yeah, anyway too does um, that, that does that game have co-op no no okay somebody was like we should play co-op i'm like i don't well no you can as co-op for the snap map stuff you can make co-op levels uh i see sure but, yeah, but i mean like the main like, single player does not have xbox <laughs> xbox doom 3 had co-op yes mm. but but it was also a different campaign yeah like and it was made by Vicarious Visions, not. Oh, not I it. did not know that. Um, 
Well, because the game, the Xbox port was made by Vicarious Visions. A lot of people gotcha. talked very lovingly about how amazing that port was from a technological standpoint. It looked awesome. There yeah. were like that and Half Life Two were like incredible ports. Yeah, they really were. Um, so, some of you guys played Overwatch. Yeah, I bought it. I caved like about <laughs> three hours before I came. I, I really want to play that game. I watched so many, so much Twitch stream when it was in the open. I got beta the PC and, version like, oh, of it. God, it looks I, so good. I got the, th- the Xbox One version of it for free from work, and I bought the PC. Version, I bought the PC version. And I, I played exactly none of it. <laughs> uh, I played probably. I played for about three nights. So I probably played about four ish hours. Yeah, um, it's yeah, really kicking you, the shit out of Dota Two concurrence. Yeah, like. <laughs> a lot like to the tune really of about that much 35 or 40 percent lower wow yeah. really is a you, there's no overall progression right there i mean there, there's a it, little yeah i mean there's progression in terms of you're leveling up and getting more right. loot chests but you're not you're not like you unlocking, get cosmetics yeah they're not unlocking any gameplay stuff you can buy loot chests though too yes. right yes the 50 for 30 or 40 i don't know yeah uh, that sounds it. like hearthstone it's card so packs. weird like it's just that like I've I've heard a couple of people say that progression is a problem, hmm. like that there's no real progression, and it's just like interesting like playing other games that don't have a progression system. Yeah, but it's TF2 not had no issue. progression. Yeah, so like the way that the loot system works is I'm not, I don't remember you know if it's every level or if it's every other level or whatever, but you either unlock stuff from that, and there's different rarities. So there's like a gray, blue, purple, uh, and that can either be emotes or sprays or uh, any number of different things, including skins. Yeah, but you're never going to get a new gun. No, you're never going to get a new gun. Or a new ability. Right. But there's also a money system that you can get from those chests that you can then use to pay to... Like, you can use that currency to unlock skins. Huh. But okay. But, again, for playing for four hours, I think I have, like, 200. And so the, the the top skins are, like, a couple... Like, 10,000. Right. Which, I mean, I guess if they're counting on people playing forever yeah you know it's like i guarantee you somebody already has a ten thousand whatever gold skin oh of. yeah for <laughs> sure he's got a diaper on um, yeah. <laughs> but again I, I don't i really don't mind any of that i'm not i'm never gonna buy any of the, the chests like i just yeah, bought the 40 dollar version yeah, and i'm yeah. like content with like i exactly. saw the extra stuff i was like i don't need any of that I it's all just, just and it's all just characters. cosmetic anyway you know like yeah. yeah i mean the the whole the whole great thing, the thing that makes me want to play that game is because I did play so much TF2 and like I love the idea of the mm-hmm. different classes. Have you settled into any that like you like more than the others? Yeah, I've played a lot of Widowmaker, uh, which mm. is the, the just the very standard sniper class. Sniper class. Um, uh, Lucio, Lucio, which is the music support guy who does oh, like yeah. the annoying or, DJ healer. Yeah, the like aura mm-hmm. healing and speed. Mm-hmm. Um, he can also like wall ride. Uh, and Psycho then, drop the beat is is that his special ability? It's drop the beat. Yeah, I think and, it's and it shields yeah. everyone. They get yeah. everyone a shield. Yeah, um, his ult. Yeah, I played some Bastion. I think he's pretty boring though. I've heard uh, people I saw complain some, that he's overpowered. He's, he's that was the so I got the sense from during the yeah. open beta I was watching the Twitch streams and like people who were on the open beta there's a bunch of them on Twitch that were in the closed beta yeah and uh, I I watched like a couple actual tournament days too mm-hmm. and uh, they were talking on their streams about how Bastion was super overpowered in the closed beta yeah but then in the tournaments people weren't using him because he they'd been nerfed and they were like appropriately nerfed yeah he had a, he had a forward facing shield at first so like that he could uh, absorb a bunch of damage like uh like basically he his his 
alter he has a like machine gun but then he can become a turret like that has this like really high damage and then he had range. a damage shield yeah and then yeah. He, so anywhere that he's shield. facing so like the thought process in the closed beta was you had to get behind him but he would just stick himself in a corner you couldn't really get behind him now he just has a uh just more armor at like off the front and he can repair himself but and that was been around forever but yeah. so it's just you hold up there and also like I don't think he's that overpowered. People, you just need to know how to play against him. He, it's the game requires you to switch classes. It's yeah. kind of like in Dota, you know, if when you're not used to it, you think that the perma stealth characters are overpowered, and then like you the then, then you buy then you buy sentry wards. Well, you just learn how to play against. Them, yeah, right? there's hard counters, very yeah. hard counters. Yeah. So I imagine Bastion probably has. Yeah, and like like Widowmaker is a perfect example. Like she outranges him, does a crap ton of damage, and since he's, he's mobile, she can just pop out. Shoot him, pop out, shoot him. Like there, there are there are very card counters, and you, again, learning the match. And you're not stuck to the character you pick when no, you go into no, a match. No. So it's like you can dynamically switch. Yeah, it, at least at least in the, you have to be in a, you have to be in an area to switch though. Yeah, you can't you just be in switch spot. wherever you're standing. Okay. Um, and and so like, there are some things like I think it's there are some unfun things right now. Like everyone can pick all the same champions. So like everyone does. You could end up a mirror match of five v five like. So everyone right now is playing uh, uh, Soldier Seventy Six, which is like the standard shooter man. Shooter man that has healing, a, a grenade, and like pretty like consistent like moderate damage. And so they're all healing each other, firing grenades, and doing moderate damage. So it's just like there's not a, a lot of counterplay to it. Like you can counterplay to it, but it's just like I. That's the annoying thing for me mm-hmm. right now. Where mm-hmm. it's like that's why I would play competitive mode. That is there l- is there a ranked mode? Not, uh, next month. Okay, I was wondering about that because that seems like ripe for a ranked mode, ranked mode where yeah. characters do get denied, or there can only be one. Or yes, and so I feel like that is probably when I want to play the game because I, when I run up against a team like that, I'm like, well, this is the part of game design where it's not fun for the other team. Like you're creating an unfun scenario for the other team. Like that. Like okay, well, do you want to compete? Do we all have to play Soldier Seventy Six now? Like. That's not a good. That's not a good well, option. I mean, well, I mean, like, what'll what'll end up happening is that you know, like, a bunch of teams will like everybody will play Soldier seventy six, and then somebody figures out the counter to that, and then suddenly that's just not a viable strategy anymore, and people stop doing yeah, it. Yeah, or they'll end up doing but something like. I just don't feel like that should even be an option. I, at least, at least in some mode, it's just like, yeah, like why? Why? And there's still no competitive mode, and I and I wonder like what that will look like. Yeah, and yeah. I think I think Blizzard will end up kind of hard countering some of it. Like mm-hmm. me immediately as a designer thinking about stuff because we've dealt with stuff like Marvel. My immediate thing is like, well, then you put a cooldown on stacking effects for Soldier seventy six heals. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, one person player used it. Now no one can that same heal effect can't be used. Like you could. So use it's it, like it's an aura. Or something exactly that, and like, like, can only be applied once. Exactly, it's mm-hmm. like yeah. I mean, there's counters. I'm and Blizzard. That's the thing. Like, unlike other companies, like like the, Dota does that. Like a mech, only one mech can yeah. affect the team. Exactly, and, and ex- yes, exactly. And that's for actually, earns, like only one person gets an earn charge when someone right. dies. And so I just feel like I, I bet you when the competitive patch comes out, we'll see some pretty hard. Like the, it, the, they're probably just in serious data gathering mode right, right now. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, I think that's fine. I just I. At a certain point, I'm like, I, 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 okay, like I'll run into a team like that and be done with the I game think, for the night. I think yeah. the challenge that Overwatch has is the challenge that Titanfall had, which is that like it doesn't have a robust progression system, mm-hmm. and that like the core loop is fun and there's like a lot of fun stuff to it, but eventually like people do get burned out. Yeah, and stuff like Dota and to a lesser extent League don't have super robust progression systems either. But 
Like yeah, they have such so. massive learning curves and such a uh, ridiculous well, there's so variety of items, variety of items and characters. Right. And like you have, there's like so much depth to those games that is yeah. not present. They're going to roll out new characters too. That's their plan, right? I think yes. so. I think that are okay. all supposed to be free. Yeah, and there's like. 15 in the game right now. You I think know, it's so 21. It was, so it was, yes. Is it 21? Yeah, they put yeah. up a lot. Of, a I was looking more. at the key art a bunch today while so I was getting many. ready to lay out the review. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, that's going to be, I mean, like, that's how they're going to keep people coming back is because every time, especially in a, in a competitive FPS, like every time you introduce a new character, you've completely, you have, you've completely changed the, the balance battle. of the battlefield. Yeah. So everybody has to like learn new strats and stuff. Just like when you put a new hero in uh, in LOL, you know, like people have to learn how to work against it. I just oh, go ahead. I, I just wonder like how effective that will be to draw players in because it doesn't feel like the constant stream of new characters for Heroes of the Storm has been particularly successful with getting that game like a no, growing but I, audience. I feel like I feel like this game has a, a more has a broader appeal than. Heroes of the Storm. Would I think have ever the attention had. span of the people playing Overwatch is considerably shorter. Maybe I think yeah, Overwatch is gonna. I mean, you think it's it? on every platform. No, I, I think it'll do really good. Oh yeah, I think that it'll sell really well. I don't know what the player base is going to be like in three months. Yeah, and I think that I think that's the problem. Is like I don't know what keeps on bringing me back if my friends aren't playing it. Like I can play league and i can play dota to an extent if my friends aren't there i don't know but, overwatch seems like a game i don't picture myself playing with other people but maybe I, which I is know. weird because for like our reviewer like he specifically says this game is not fun with people you don't know like you need to coordinate yeah. and if you're playing against people who are coordinated and your team is not you're going to get rolled in a see, way that's I, not fun I, for see anybody. i thought about that I, I thought that way when i first started playing team fortress and after like getting punished enough by playing these pub games and like i would realize like okay i'm i've lost four matches in a row chances are i'm just going to start winning the next matches because that's just the way that these games work i I also feel like just stop caring about losing and like you start having fun with your individual character and like you're you don't start playing like you're like there's money on the line anymore i i also think that i the matchmaking system doesn't work out if you're playing solo mm. you won't get matched up against a team of five i'm pretty sure that's like I'm, i like that's the way it works because when we, we're i've been playing with full full stacks and we pretty much only get matched with full stacks hmm. um for now uh for now but yeah i'm just like the people that i know that are playing it right now that aren't in this room are mm-hmm. like it's like drawing in a lot of people by mm-hmm. virtue of its character design and the buzz behind it and yeah. i don't I don't see what's there that's going to keep them coming back. No, absolutely. No, unless, yeah, they're not. New maps aren't, aren't going to bring them back. That's not interesting for. I, I mean, think if those they did people. New crazy new modes or something, but I don't know what that would even look like. Well, they have a rotating um, a game mode like Hopper, so like it's oh, so bot you- matches uh, regular queue, and then like right now it's like the everything is on, has low cooldowns. You, uh, have right, more like so they're basically the, is it the tavern figure mode or whatever. Is that what it's, I don't it's know. Tavern right. brawls, basically, but yeah, for a ram or, or like or, or sorry, earth or whatever, whatever the mode is called. It's basically the the hyper mode where everything's jacked up. Yeah, well, they do that same thing with like Hearthstone, which is why I was saying tavern mm-hmm. brawls. Like every week is a new tavern brawl, and it, they break the game in oh, some okay. way. Mm-hmm. Very specific. And, and, and you can only and if you join it, you're only playing those matches, knowing that you're playing this broken ass mode. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Hearthstone is, is like a game as a counterexample with like such a incredibly developed progression system. Like the yeah. card collection thing is such mm-hmm. like a massive part of retention totally. to that. 
and for overwatch that's just not there and building your ranks so that you can play in these like new tiers like that's such a big like getting your mmr up is like a huge part of it i I do feel like blizzard is this is again like anything they do they will support it forever and like have a team that's making sure that they're doing like like a a, yes i'm sure they're going to keep supporting the game because at this point i bet you it's already financially successful sure and i'm like i don't mean to suggest that blizzard is going to like cut the cord because Mm -hmm. blizzard hasn't cut the cord on like you're not wondering if they cut the card you're just wondering if people will cut the cord a little bit like people will will pull back because like for a multiplayer only game people are the content yeah like i just for a game of the size i'm looking at like this is a anecdotal metric but the amount of people on the release day for uh, on the, on the subreddit was matching uh, or above the league, the league one, which always has uh, like a hundred thousand people or whatever, like a, like yeah. a crazy amount of people in there. I don't think it will maintain at that level, of course, because the league has seven years and a lot more time. On game it. events are always like launches are always events. You yeah, know what I mean? but but I still like even the the Diablo community is still fairly large and still is fairly like it's still one of the top games on tw- Twitch and things like that. Hmm. I don't. I find it really difficult to explain what the appeal of Counter Strike is, other than it being Counter Strike. Like why that game over any other game is the I, one that keeps things coming back. Yeah, I couldn't tell you because I feel like there are lots of better shooters. Out I there. I think it's a in terms of a spectator, it's probably the easiest thing to follow. Yeah, it's really clean looking yeah. environments. They like, you know, like one of the things about Call of Duty is they've always been about density of objects and density mm. of particle systems to make like their old engine look pretty. And Counter Strike doesn't do any of that. They're like, it's a fucking square box. <laughs> it was also <laughs> like a twenty dollar game. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's cheap. It's in like every uh, like uh, uh, PC cafe out there around the world. Yeah, doesn't take a lot to run. Doesn't take yeah, a lot I, to I run. I guess I just yeah, maybe that's why. Maybe and it's like, ubiquity. well, like you were saying, Anthony, today when we were watching uh, some of that E League Twitch stream that's happening this week. You were saying that, like, another thing that makes this really easy to watch is you camp a lot in Counter-Strike. So people aren't, like, they're not, like, moving at a million miles an hour and constantly whipping the mouse yeah, around. Yeah, Call of Duty is, is, like, about running really fast and waiting to have the twitch moment. Mm-hmm. And the weird thing about Counter-Strike is it's about... It's it's map the map, yes, yes. You're, it's, it, the maps are all designed to where you know people are going to meet up at exact the planned choke spots, yeah. choke mm-hmm. points. And then it's about that dance, and you yeah. like to watch that dance of them just like peeking. It's out like the anticipation and catharsis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like explosive, Definitely. explosive moments. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's been some discussion about if we're talking about competitive and like Overwatch that uh, because Overwatch has a low tick rate that the esports scene it's going to be a little bit hard to do. So tick rate is like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. God damn it. Uh, so tick rate is <laughs> continue to explain for the audience. Uh, is, do you ever get shot around a corner? Do you ever feel like you yes. died when there's no way someone should have been able to kill you? Yeah. Welcome to tick rate. Yeah, it's basically the number of times per second the game is hitting the server and, and updating. The server is p- yeah, hitting back. Yeah, hitting back. So like, so basically, how it's updating everyone so that that's how you're able to hit around a corner is that it updated you and it were thought you were. But you were you're at you thought you were on a corner, but the the other person. So to hit be you. fair, it's killing you because the other person thought that they killed you. Yes. So it's more important that the person who thought they killed you kills you than you who thought you survived and, and it, survive. Yes. And so again, it, it depends on the tick rate. High tick rates, I think I, I don't quote me on this because I don't know kind of pro counter-strike that well. It is fairly high. I think it's Thirty six, yeah, something like that's that, or probably, 50s, I That's think. probably also why Counter Strike really dumbs down like 
destructibles and stuff because all that stuff has to be tracked on the server, right? Yes. Like, mm. And so it's like by getting rid of all that shit, you can do that because now the server. Has so this way is a pretty huge manage. controversy with Battlefield Four when it came out. Like yeah. Battlefield 4's tick rate was way too low. Yeah. Like in part because everything in the world was so fucking complicated and there's so much destruction that like yeah. they didn't want to turn it up. And it was months before they finally like quote fixed it and increased the tick rate and made it playable to like supposed pro Battlefield players. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I hadn't heard here. that about Overwatch. That that would I mean like if you're in an actual competitive scene you know like it's really hard to do a competitive scene on a low tick rate game because people can't always be in a land party situation together so it's like how do you how do you create a competitive scene without the ability for people to play remotely so right because it eliminates some of the, like the skill gap right because yeah. like you could like the higher like the better the tick rate the more chance there is that you can like pull off a sick play yeah mm-hmm. like. And it's, it's, and it's hard so like and that's why I've been playing uh, Widowmaker but it feels weird sometimes because I sometimes feel like well I should have hit that shot but it didn't I, did, I didn't because the, like I, it didn't actually line up correctly or the, the server didn't register um, are there times where you hit shots where it's you tough don't too, yeah, you I, sh- I shouldn't have with uh, Overwatch mm-hmm. you're never going to play a land game anyways because yeah. you have to be through Battle.net uh, I'm quoting Kotaka's article mm-hmm. by the way uh, per Eurogamer Overwatch tick rate by default is 28 or 20.8 um, and then games like Counter-Strike, Global Offensive, and Battlefield 4, meanwhile, have their set to around 60 hertz. Uh, Which is, that's a huge change that's, for that's Battlefield. That's really huge. Uh, like, apparently, oh, for Battlefield. Yeah, mm-hmm. apparently in custom modes, you can change the tick rate for Overwatch. Whoa. Does it reduce the player count? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I, um, but yeah, I, that, I mean, that, that's just, I, seem, I feel like that's going to be a problem for competitive. I mean, again, they, they'll be playing on custom games anyway, but like, you practice, you scram and everything online start like on i wonder why they chose to do that uh, maybe it's a or maybe uh, competitive uh, mode will come out with this with a higher tick rate yeah i don't yeah. know maybe they also don't care about this being an esport that much yeah maybe not although they did have like their official like you know esports tournament thing during the open beta yeah I just don't know that how much they really really care you know i don't know maybe they yeah, just have to say uh the tick rate actually got got way accelerated on uh on battlefield 4 over time like what is it originally like 32 and uh i think like i'm seeing some things say like 10 or something Ooh. um well uh, but now like i'm seeing stories like dice la introduces 120 hertz tick rate to battlefield 4 oh wow the to the test server so mm-hmm. They like they've still been working on Battlefield Four for yeah, like last two years. years. Yeah, yeah, I know. People like people really like that game. People play that game. Well, they, yeah, that's the only Battlefield they're still playing, right? Because they definitely did not switch over to Hardline no. in a big way. <laughs> no. Um, no. So, but uh, I'll probably continue to play it. I mean, I'm bit. gonna I'm gonna try it. Yeah. Because I bought. Are, it. are you liking any other characters? Or are you pretty much sticking with Widowmaker? Mm, let's see. I like Pharah a whole lot. Yeah. Um, just because she's like fun to fly around. Yeah, level. yeah. I don't want to play as a girl though. I want to play as a dude. <laughs> hey man, that game, like that game, is stupidly diverse. Yeah, and, like, I know. And, I know. In the best way possible, it's so good. At <laughs> launch, Battlefield 4's tick rate was 10 hertz, which is 10 wow. times per second. Mm-hmm. Uh, Counter Strike Go can be 60, and Call of Duty is usually 30. All right. Mm. So again, yeah, like you, there's difference. Like you can think about. The speed of the game again. The speed of uh, Overwatch is a little bit slower, 
there is it it always looks really fast when i watch but but then think about it slower in terms of time to death so like everyone has uh, has a, a varying amount of health um because like again tracer is very fast but has low health so you you don't have to put that many bullets in, in sure her, sure sure and then down. they're pit tankier characters yeah there's the uh i don't know not roadhog but like the winston dude, winston or the dude with the chain that, that like has the shotgun oh, right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like what's that, you, that guy's name that's yeah. super tanky like you're supposed yeah. to, like you're supposed to just dump bullets into those guys mm-hmm. um yeah it sounds cool i'm yeah. definitely gonna report back on that that's the one that i really have been dying to try i really want to play it but i i far harbor's gonna come first also oh yeah so you want to take a break really quick yeah we can take a break talk about fallout and witcher and yeah Xbox sounds good in the way break time me thirsty Mar- Mar- you played some more Witchers, the DLC. Of- uh, Blood and Wine. Blood and Wine. It's like an individual storyline, basically. So the way that the, the two Witcher DLCs work is that uh, if you have the existing game, like a, a game going in the Witcher, uh, they are added in like expansions. Uh, okay. If you don't, uh, if, for example, you're me who played through that game like 80 hours into a debug version and has no save... Yeah. Um mm-hmm. you can start either expansion or both uh now from the menu. Yeah, like you can create a new save that's specifically for the expansions that like oh, clears cool. all of the story missions from the main Witcher campaign and just has all the side stuff and then lets you go through Blood and Wine. That's uh, kind of cool. That's smart. And the other one as well. Um and starts you with like a level 34 character. That's mm. awesome. Um, yeah, it, is. it is except level 34 is too low of a level for mm-hmm. this content in my opinion. Uh-huh. Like, uh, they want you to do the side missions. I maybe, except like it, as with Blood and Wine in particular, it really feels like it ties you, it like ties a rope to your leg and ties the other end to a horse and like slaps the horse's ass. <laughs> like, the story, like, it's really easy to just like whip through like the quest line, at least where I am. And I'd mm-hmm. say I'm probably like about a third of the way through like the main story quest. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, or maybe maybe farther than that. Um, so it's just like, oh, hey, encounter. Oh, look, I'm dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it takes place in Toussaint, which is a area of of uh, the Witcher's world that was not that was discussed but not seen. Hmm. Um, and you are called to the city of Toussaint uh, by the queen to solve a, a series of killings by something called a, by a beast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that it's been in the trailer, so I'll just say it's that's, a it's a vampire story. I figured when you said blood and wine, that's um, <laughs> yeah. my mind. So like Tusa <laughs> is like where almost all of the good wine in The Witcher's world comes from. 
And so, and so they got to get Jerry Rivia. Uh, so they got to get <laughs> Jerry to Rivia to find the beast. Just going up to Napa. Um, Save the wine. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. Like it, It's like in a new spot of the world where you're sort of like being introduced to kinds of characters that you didn't see. Like it's like a very mm. chivalric knight society. Um, very, like very classic. Like It's like French. It's yeah. very, it's they're very French knights, but they have like yeah. a very queer sort of like Arthurian yeah. code of chivalry. Sounds 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 a lot like whatever that nation is um, in Dragon Age, where without it's like French based, you know, without a lot of the innate hyper misogyny and sexism of the chivalric code. Mm-hmm. Granted, because um, the ruler is a queen, not a king. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like just right away, I feel like there's a lot more personality and a lot better execution of sort of storytelling and conversations, um, hmm. and there's a lot of it. Like a lot more, and I feel like the conversations you're having are much more involved than what were in the last expansion, and honestly, like than a lot of the rest of The Witcher Three. Like, mm. in my mind, the best part of Witcher Three was the Skellige stuff, like the Viking city, like all the quests in the Viking city, and all the stuff there was like the coolest parts of Witcher Three, and like like it most, had rich conversation trees, that and, and like a world that felt really developed and different than the rest of it. Mm. Um, and it felt like you were really sort of exploring a place and getting to know a kind of people and getting to know these characters with a history with both Jerry Rivia and each other. And I feel like Blood and Wine is sort of like approaching that. Um, and the writing is better than I think uh, the last one was, whose okay. name keeps escaping me. Uh, Heart of Stone mm. was the one before. Um, I like that it's a murder mystery. So it's kind of a murder mystery, except you figure out pretty early on what is murdering people. <laughs> well, I, I guess, I mean, I, I like that it sounds like a good X-File. You know, you're so, there, you know, it's a monster, mm, and I gotta try So that is actually a good way to put it, because in the X-Files, it's always like, so what's doing this? Why is it doing it? Mm-hmm. Right. And so very quickly, you figure out what's doing these things, but there's like a reason why he's doing those things, and you need to fig- find out why. Uh, and so I'm on the path to doing that. Um, and does it all, t- so this one region, is it like a city and countryside or? Yeah. yeah. Cities and countryside, like a uh, one big main city and some mm-hmm. villages and a countryside. Um, cool. And so the, the negative is that like every fucking like story quest in the Witcher is the same story quest, which is like, so Jerry, we've got three things to do. <laughs> Two uh, are going to be kind of easy. And one is going to be so hard that we might as well talk about it. Now go do those two things and then we'll talk about number three. Uh, and that is exactly how blood and wine is set up. Like gotcha. you get this main story quest. You have, you can actually only do one of the story quests first and then you have to do the second one and then the third. So it's very linear in that mm-hmm. way. Um, I do like that the first major story related quest that you're getting, uh, involves a monster hunt and gives you a means of solving it without death, without Mm -hmm. killing, Mm -hmm. which are the parts of the Witcher three that I like the most, like figuring out like, like curses and trying to lift curses and trying to remove hauntings without like just resorting to sword fighting that honestly, I still don't think is very good. I don't think Gerald, Jerry controls Not the best swordsman. Ever. I don't think he controls particularly well yeah. to say nothing of how fucking mind numbingly annoying riding that goddamn horse is. Yeah. Um, it gets stuck on everything. Ugh. Uh, I thought it was fine when I was playing it. You just kind of, kind of follow the road. And yeah. But it, once you're like not in a road, once you're like in oh, yeah, a, okay. like a graveyard, yeah, or if you something, auto follow the road, it's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but once you're not auto following the road, it's like, Oh, I got stuck on a rock. I, it's a Brit. I, 
No, but but true to life, no. you're, not, you're not supposed you're not supposed to take your your horse, right? But if that's yeah, where it puts you, yeah, yeah, if that's no. where it spawns you, like I guess the alternative is and to get can't. off the horse, run to somewhere open, and call it again. <laughs> Fly to me, horse. <laughs> and it's easier. It's easy to get Jerry stuck on things. Mm. Um, but anyway, so there there's an opportunity to solve like this very tragic haunting, like without bloodshed if cool. you're smart enough to figure it out yeah um and i like that i like yeah, definitely yeah that was one of the, the like cool that things it, that are in the witcher 3 but i didn't feel like there was enough of it in the witcher mm-hmm. 3 so mm-hmm. they're making good some of the side content um, but then like it's in going to the space to meet someone it's like oh here's a monster you've never seen before also if it will like just instantly kill you if you're not careful or like kill you in like two or three shots Dark so souls. go fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, and like now I'm at a, at a point in a story mission where like I am in a closed room and it's just waves of enemies. And hey, guess what? Like even small enemies in the Witcher can kill you pretty fucking quickly. Yeah. And it's just it's just not fun to smash my head against these encounters. Like and it checkpoints at a point where like I have to go through another conversation and like fucking oh. slam the X button to skip through it. And um, I think that in some ways, like the the mission design of the DLC is like the last thing that they care about. Like they're super interested in story and cutscenes, and it's just like, oh well, I guess we'll just do the same kind of mission that we did in like the side quests in the mm. in the main game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I might actually finish this one. I haven't decided yet. Uh, like I'm curious to see where it goes. There are several interesting characters. The queen is like an interesting woman character that does not feel immediately hypersexualized. Like virtually every other female fucking character that's not a, a crone mm-hmm. in the Witcher in the games. Witcher. Yeah. Um, and there is, she's like kind of sexy and there's like a sort of scandalous moment where she like, you realize that someone's about to be murdered in this like event that's happening. And so like she is going that's to ride sexy. with you. Because the only way to try to keep this from happening is for you to split up and do things at the same time. Mm. So, like, instead of riding in her petticoat, like, she just tears her skirt off and she's got, like, these very tight pants underneath. And her, like, courtiers, like, her escorts are just, like, totally scandalized by this. (laughs) By her wearing pants. (laughs) And all of that feels like it's it's shot and acted and executed in a way that feels much more refined than anything in Heart of Stone and than Mm. most of the stuff in The Witcher 3 proper. Mm. Interesting. Um and then there are moments where it's like, oh, that's the same crow model that you use for everything. You're just having it hop around and someone thought it's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that level of finesse that like American studios obsess on and will spend like a million dollars extra in a cutscene to make sure that everything looks perfect. Yeah. Like, I, I was pointing some of that out when I was playing Uncharted that like there was tiles that only appear in a prison and only one part of this prison but they made like six different ones, yeah. six different cracked versions. <laughs> the kind so of stuff could, yeah. that Naughty Dog will delay their game by a year to add. Yeah. Like CD Projekt doesn't care. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> fuck it. It's fine. It's good enough. Good enough, guys. Whatever the this equivalent of real that. Big. We put Whatever the equivalent of that in Polish is, I'm sure, the conversation that happened. <laughs> um, but I like I am torn between liking a lot of that stuff and also being like, well, that that's like an instant death thing. Yeah. Like, and it's just over and over again. And it's not even a thing that I could properly prepare for. I just have to keep doing this thing over and over again, or it's going to kill me or it's going to kill my companion. Well, I mean like like things, things that are keeping you away from the parts of the game that you enjoy are mistakes in game design. So I, I, I'm not going to make that argument necessarily. I'm just going to say that it's not fun 
to like have to restart a section over and over again for me, like, because the game doesn't properly prepare me or give me an opportunity to understand. I I think, I think it's objectively bad though, to like have a bad checkpoint where you have to go through a conversation. I don't want to deal with angry people on Twitter, Matt. I really don't. I've had so much of that this month. (laughs) Well, you know, like uh, if somebody can, if somebody has an argument as to why having to go through the same conversation unskippable over and over and over again is good game design, hit me with it. Because, this is going to be a Dark Souls yeah. thing at some point, I'm sure. Um, so I, I think that like if you're super into Witcher, obviously I think that you're going to like this. But if you probably already bought it, if, if there's <laughs> stuff that bothered you about The Witcher and more story in The Witcher is not enough to like overcome the sort of mechanical like flaws or like general sort of ho-hum design of encounters and battles um then i think won't that change your mind i don't think blood and wine is gonna like blood and wine doesn't fix any of that shut up about jerry and tell me about the adventures uh the continuing adventures of arthur and far harbor um <laughs> so That's it's what we really want to know like it's a nick valentine thing um, oh, yeah, really? yeah, yeah. It's it, that's that's in all the the, the did, trailers and stuff like that. I you see that Nick Valentine. I just is don't with follow you. stuff as closely as I want. Yeah, to. it's a Nick Valentine thing. It's a totally separate area. Like you go to a new map with and, Nick. Yeah. Well, I mean, you don't have to go with Nick, but he'll be there. But why no, wouldn't like you? you can go with whoever you want. But okay. I brought Nick because it seemed like the right thing to do. Because yeah. mm-hmm. like it's a case like you get the dlc it's a case that's like called in over a radio station by his assistant is it still in boston no uh, you're, you're it's off in, the coast okay it's it's in Fahaba. the <laughs> it's somewhere nearby <laughs> close Relative. enough to what's the name of the wasteland in this one uh the commonwealth the commonwealth it's still in the commonwealth okay um but it's like it's it's, it's a separate map like okay. on the, the map Island. There's an icon to go back to the Commonwealth. Okay. Uh, But you can't fast travel from Far Harbor to the Red Rocket truck stop, for example. Um, So you get all kinds of new places. So, yeah, there's like it's like a whole new space that's supposed to be like the biggest piece of downloadable content that they've ever made, which means it's bigger than the Shivering Isles uh, and it's bigger than the 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 section the that they added in Elder Scrolls like with all the dark elves yeah and, and then there was like the the extra wasteland in Fallout Three yeah whatever that oh, DLC the one point like Louisiana point lookout, yeah is is there a uh, man that's that's I, uh, I have one very it seems very really big I have one very very important question for what's you what's that are there any new settlements uh can you make new settlements yes probably. Yeah, I haven't gotten there yet. I haven't gotten that far. There is a new town, which is the town of Far Harbor. Uh, mm. There is another vault, at least one wow. more vault. Cool. Um, have you uh, have you encountered any crabs? Giant crabs living. Yeah, there's new <laughs> monsters. Crabs. Like there's new like lobster kind of monsters, and like there are giant hermit crabs with buses for shells. That's I'd seen the art for those. <laughs> awesome. I was like, that's fucking such a cool take on like a hermit crab. If they um, became horrifically big, there are new kinds of ghouls like. There's a there's like a new like there's a lot of synth stuff, like what yeah what's the general like theme of this expansion? Identity. Okay. Hmm. Like you can learn a lot of things about Nick. Okay. Um, and at some points it tries to make you question yourself, like ah, what cool. your character's identity is. <laughs> Fuck. You might be a synth. Um, <laughs> That's kind of cool. And I, so, yeah, I'm like very early on, like I just met like there's like a synth refuge 
there uh, and you meet oh, cool. a very important character to Nick. Like people um, that have escaped from the Institute? Uh, I mean, every synth has theoretically escaped from the Institute. Oh, uh, good point. Is um, it the, the, the lady looking robot that has like the big spiky thing? I don't want to talk about it because it just came out and people get mad at me. Okay. Well, she's been, she's um, been in some stuff. She's been in like promotional stuff. I think. Sure. There is a robot that you meet. There's a synth that you meet, but I don't want to talk is about it. Is the town it. primarily okay. synths? No, so there is a human town, the human town of Far, Far Harbor. Harbor, and then there is like a, oh, a synth, synth a synth refuge called Acadia. Okay, and also there is a uh, Children of the Atom, um, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah, uh, I've encountered them before. Children of the, the Atom, like yeah. they're in every fall, they're in like Fallout Three and Fallout yeah. New Vegas. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're I definitely like, in four. Little things like that aren't unheard of. And like even in Base Fallout Four, you encounter like a ghoul colony. Yeah. So settlement. like there is. Uh, like the children of the Adam Enclave and Far Harbor are at war, like mm. or like have like a cold war going on because like Far Harbor cannot exist if the radioactive mists of Point Lookout or not Point Lookout of, of like Far Harbor overwhelm their city, uh, and so they have like these devices built by the robots to keep it out. But for children the children of the Adam, Adam like radiation must want. take yeah. over the entire island because that is like the will of their god right which is radiation <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, so the robots are kind of caught in the middle of that um and there's like a lot going on that i don't want to spoil but uh you cool. learn a lot about nick and what nick is and what he was uh and how he came to be what nick was when he was human or what nick was as a synth yes yes <laughs> <laughs> All right. um, sounds good to me man yeah, and already like the, I, there might be more than one vault. I've only found one so far, but you can find it pretty leveling early. Your char- continuing to level your character up. Oh sure, yeah, you can level yourself up like to fucking Kingdom Come in that game. Um, yeah, there, there's a, a the cap in that game of sixty is like a soft cap. You can still keep leveling. up Is it sixty points? I, no, I'm, you can keep. You can go like to a hundred. I'm something. only like thirty four. Um, so I'm like forty something. Uh, like in the the vault that you find is a, like the vault I found is a murder mystery in a way that you will not expect. Cool. Those so, little side stories are always um, my favorite. Yep. I don't know. Like I really want to play it. Uh, I, I want to spend some time with it, but I've been so caught up in trying to recalibrate my MMR in Dota that like, that's like, <laughs> if I've got a few hours, it's like, well, I, that's my, this is my chance. That's, that's <laughs> seven to 10 hours of your time. More than that. Yeah. Like um, well, at this point, yeah, that it, it's a it's a it's a time investment for sure, um, and also challenges. Cool. Matt, well, I really want to play it. I love that game. Matt, speaking of weird religious cults, though, <laughs> I'm playing a game called The Way. I just started it today. Actually, I'm like two hours in. Yeah, I think it, it just came out like the beginning of May, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a Kickstarter game, and like now it's on Steam. And um, it's one if of those you've ever played, ones. yeah, if you've ever played uh, Another World, uh, oh, it'll. Yeah definitely remind you of that game uh another world is it's an older game it's all side scroller it's it has kind of a cinematic sp- approach to being a side scroller game so uh, it's also in, in my run of like you know um 80s and 90s inspired like pixel art type of games mm-hmm. uh like the king's quest games and stuff like that it has that kind of art style mm-hmm. where it's like a sort of realistic but in a pixelated version approach yeah to like art. they don't make faces completely or anything like that exactly because there just isn't enough pixels to like make a realistic face uh so it has a really good stylization to it uh it's it's set in like 
definitely sort of a Blade Runner-ish dystopian type future. And the game start like literally the opening scene of the game is you digging up the grave of your dead wife. Jesus. And uh, you pull out her body and you the idea is that like you and your wife and part of this team were on another planet and your wife has died somehow. You don't know how. And your character is apparently obsessed with bringing her back to life through something that's on this alien planet to get back to. But to get back to it, you have to basically do it unauthorized. Like, you have to get her body to a starship and steal a starship to go to this planet. And that's, like, the whole first level of the game is, like, stealing, stealing. this starship. Yeah. And uh, is it, based on some of the screens, though, is, does it play more like Another World in the sense that it's, like, got some action elements to yes, it Yes, exactly. Well? It definitely okay. has some action elements. It's It's puzzles. It's not an adventure game so much. I mean, it's an adventure in terms of exploration, but it's got puzzles. It doesn't really have an inventory. You know, it's uh, you in that first stage where you're like breaking the space, where you're like uh, uh, stealing the spaceship. um, You get a laser gun, you know, and like you can and it has unlimited ammo, but limited charges. And uh, you aim with with your mouse, you know, like around the screen. So uh, a little bit. A little bit like um, uh, shit. Shadow complex. You know how you can sort of aim anywhere in a in a two D side scroll two D side scrolling world. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. And there's some like some basic platformings. You can jump. You can run. You can duck and crawl. Uh, but so, it's mean, not it, a Twitch game. No, it really is like another world. In that yeah. Sense. Like definitely. And like because you you run across things that like uh, it's. You run across a thing in the environment, you trigger something in the environment, and you need to figure out how to get past it or, you know, shoot it or or solve a puzzle to get around it. Um, the story is presented in really cool ways. Like, as you walk around the environment, you can see what he's thinking. Okay. So, like, like visually or, like... Or- like, literally text on screen. Okay. So, it's like, when you're in your apartment, like, you, you've carried the... The the dead body of your wife home. And you're walking through the apartment, and like on the walls are like all of these maps and formulas and everything. And it says "Secret to Eternal Life?" Question mark Temple Alien Planet. Like you're walking, like you're noticing the things in your environment with text that pops up and fades away as you walk by things. Mm. And it's really simple interaction. Like you walk up to something, you press E to interact to, com- to interact with the computer console to maybe unlock some vents in a stage, or you know you press a button to turn on some stuff. So you solve puzzles, and there's like you know notes and codes and stuff to find around the levels uh, with like yeah some like light platforming action elements. And um, the so far the you know the story is very self serious, but in a good way. Um, and I've just gotten past the first stage and I've gotten my ship to the alien planet and I'm, uh, the art style is, it looks very bright, which I, it I, is. What, you, you describing it, I was like, oh, expecting it to be kind of grim and kind of like, uh, and the first stage brown. when you're in the city, it is very grim, but the moment yeah. you get to the alien planet, everything is super bright green and like, there's some, like uh, some like light tans of like a desert. Exactly. The, the enemies are bright pink, you yeah. know, like the. Uh, it, it almost looks like fez, like the colors are so bright once you get to the alien planet. And uh, it it totally has, you know, like a sword and sorcery kind of like background uh, yeah, style absolutely. to it. Um, the uh, yeah, it's so far I'm super, super enjoying it because 
the the another world style of gameplay and another world was really famous back in the day when it came out i don't even remember how long ago that was it must have been like 87 or something I right? no that was like 89 90 yeah. I was, yeah, I was yeah, pretty but, young. But when when that when that game came Flashback out, Flashback was like ninety two, ninety three. Mm, when that game came out, like that game was advertised and self advertised as like we are trying to blend the, the experience. It was out of, of this world, right? Out of uh, another world, world. Here. here. It was called Out of This World here. Oh, it was called. Oh, you're right. It was called Out of This World here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, like it was like they said that we are directly for the first time and trying to blend nineteen ninety one. Okay. Trying to blend the narrative construction of a movie with the action elements of a video game. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, it had a linear, a deliberate linear progression through the game, uh, but it had, you know, mild interactivity between triggered action elements. And this game does exactly that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's enjoyable. It, it, looks, it looks really pretty. Like, this, like, I definitely will probably. I'm check curious. This out. Yeah, I'm yeah. curious to try it, especially because. I don't know. I'm always happy when you hear about a successful Kickstarter thing that made yeah. it. Well, it has. Is it, it from it, Eric Chahi? Like, did he have anything to do with it, or is it just? Influence? I don't know. I really don't know. I didn't look that deep into it. I just it just popped <coughs> up in my Steam queue, and I was like, I'm. Gonna did play it pop that. up this in your great. recommended for you? Yeah. That thing. Yeah. So good. It's working really well for me, and uh, the. It definitely like. I think it's going to have that vibe, kind of like Shadow of the Colossus does. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, this is something you really shouldn't be doing uh, as the quote unquote hero character. You know, like in Shadow of the Colossus, you know, you, you you're unleash, mur- murdering, yeah. You're you f- unleash this terrible evil in order to bring, you know, your your dead uh, princess or your dead princess or whatever. Back Which to always life. goes well. Like that never right. goes wrong. Right, exactly. It's and so I think that I think that's probably this game Sometimes seems to have is better. <laughs> <laughs> At least early on in this game, it seems to have that same kind of vibe where you're like. I'm not sure if this guy should be doing this or if he's just singularly singularly obsessed to the point where he doesn't care anymore, but feels that this he has no choice but to do this thing. I mean, in the trailer, it says there's no way you can accept her death. Yes, like, exactly. Okay, you're just going <laughs> to do whatever it takes. Yep. So, we'll see how it goes. Cool. That's all I played. Hey, I Arthur. I time to play a couple oh hours. Oh, my God. What happened this week? So remember a few weeks ago when we got a letter about Xboxes, like new Xboxes this year? Yeah, well, I, well, think, they I think it was a letter, PS4. wasn't it? Am yeah. I right in that? Or just I, we're talking about? I think, we're talking about rumors. I think yeah. it was. An, I think it was a letter. I think we're talking about the Neo, probably, and then yeah, I think like, it was also a letter. whether or not we would get a new Xbox at E3 this year. And I was like, no, I'm pretty sure. I don't. At that point, did we think the Neo was coming out this year? I think we, we thought didn't. we thought it might be announced, but not coming out. I thought right. So. There, like, there was, there were rumors going around about like FCC filings, like for Xbox hardware, mm-hmm. um, and one of them was like for a new wireless protocol, which, yeah. uh, and one was for like new new hardware, yeah. um, as well as Phil being out there talking about about like, new hardware earlier this yes. year. Some of which was like to to Nick Robinson of Polygon in an mm-hmm. interview. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I ate too much dinner. Um, so. <laughs> Back then, there, I, somebody asked, I don't remember if it was a reader or a Twitter comment or if it was someone in the room, whether or not we would see like a new, new Xbox at the show. And I said that I think that we would see a slimmed down Xbox at the show, but not a... A hardware like, revision, but not a hardware iteration. Yeah. Not, yeah, not like new, new hardware. Actually, I'm pretty sure the way that you put it was, fuck no, what a stupid ass question. I can't believe you would ask that. 
<laughs> which is not true. I did not say that. Uh, and I think at that point, um, like it's in your heart, it was like there was an inkling coming out that maybe Sony was going to move faster than people expected. But it was like the day after that or something that like word sort of started to break that there were going to be games this fall with Neo support built into them, which suggests that fucking yeah. Neo, the Neo is launching this year. That's the PS 4.5 or 4k or whatever you I mean, call it. Uh, I think the way that I thought about it was that those things could launch with Neo support and then they come out, but you also Christmas. Yeah. There's no, like it would be silly to release, to announce and release a new console like a month or two or even three after Christmas because yep. Christmas is the biggest time of year for console sales. And why would people buy the shitty one when the better one comes out a couple months after that? Mm-hmm. And the answer is they would not. Which is why <laughs> consoles do not come out here after Christmas. They come out before Christmas unless you're Nintendo and you've lost your fucking mind. And so what um, happened this week? So, so no, like this actually, this has been rolling before that. It just mm. all finally got public this week, which is that, uh, it was revealed that Sony, or it was surmised that Sony was probably going to launch the Neo this year. Hmm. Uh, in, at which point, uh, my understanding is that conversations began rolling at Microsoft as to how they could possibly not show their new thing hmm. if Sony was going to show their new thing mm-hmm. in E3. And all of a sudden, magically, Guess what? <laughs> there are hey. probably going to be two Xboxes at least at E3 this year. Shit, I know. I've, uh, that's the thing. Now I've heard like Kotaku is like, oh, it's there's like one's a slim down and one's a revision or something, and then so one's, there, and then one's there like are, a streaming box. And I don't know. Like I've only seen the Verge report on like the Xbox stick, like the the Chrome stick, Chromecast stuff equivalents. Like I've only seen that stuff on the Verge, and Tom Warren gets a lot of good information, but a lot of that's just like concept stuff or ideas that are floated and never actually make it to production. Hmm. I would um, never want something to stream my Xbox to another room in my house because the Xbox is easy enough to tear down and move for me. I don't know. Like a PC um, is not. That's why I so, liked my stream one, my Steam thing. Yeah. So basically like we got all of the information about what the new Xbox was like five weeks ago and have been trying to lock it down and vet source it, it and vet it. Uh, which takes a long fucking time and nobody wants to talk about that stuff because Sony and Microsoft both have massively punitive NDA agreements. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, like more punitive than people know, like personally punitive, personally punitive, but also persons. that could be the death of a studio potentially. Yeah. So, um, so, uh, we knew all that stuff. We just couldn't like get enough sources to feel comfortable running it. And so like that was before I left for Istanbul. Like I was talking to you guys about that shit before I left for Istanbul, like what it was going to be. Um, and then this week, everything sort of came together very quickly and like our stuff was starting to get in shape. And then I woke up and Kotaku ran their story and mm-hmm. it was like, well, I guess now it will be easier to get our sources to get off their asses and actually confirm our shit. And so, <laughs> uh, Basically, as soon as Microsoft became convinced that Sony was going to release Neo this year, they decided that they had to show uh, the do you think project known currently as Scorpio at this year's E3. So do you Scorpio, think- and you know when Scorpio starts? Mm. November 22nd. What? That's the last day for Scorpios. Like <laughs> so, Or when it starts, starts. Uh, so do you think Scorpio, uh, do you think they would have announced it this E3 or would have they sat on they it for another They would not have uh, because Scorpio cannot come out this year. For Scorpio mm. is for reference, Scorpio is the more powerful Xbox One. Yeah, Scorpio. So there is a Xbox 
one slim, I say in air quotes, because I don't know mm-hmm. what it's going to be called, but that yeah. seems like an obvious sort of like fill in, like an Xbox mm-hmm. One S is probably yeah. what it's going to be called. Mm-hmm. Why can't it come out? Uh, we'll get to that in a second. So the slim Xbox One is going to be like 40% smaller, which is like almost half the size. That's pretty great. Um, so it's like the smallest Xbox that Microsoft has ever done. Nice. Uh, and How's that will it be that out. big with a bigger hard drive? Because the thermal design of the current Xbox One is so extremely conservative, and the manufacturing process (laughs) has advanced so much in three years that it's cheap. It's it's like like 90% vent. Uh, That they they feel pretty comfortable in releasing a smaller system. Oh, good. Um, Like, Surface Book is sort of, like, held up as, like, the pinnacle of Microsoft engineering right now because it is, like, Mm -hmm. a full laptop, like, in the form factor of a tablet. Um and so that is coming out in August, which we broke. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what the price is. I'm not holding my breath that that will be the cheap one, if anything. Well, it, it seems like it should be the cheap one. No, if if I understand if correctly, the way it works for hardware. phones, which is, I think, the, the paradigm that you should set your mind to, the new one is expensive and the old ones get cheaper. I guess that could be true. It's just that, yeah, it's like I expect the hardware to potentially maybe get some sort of price drop if they're going to announce... This is also our new thing coming out next year. So, like, uh, well, it w- I expect that the fat Xbox ones that exist now, of which there are so many versions, will drop in fifty. Will years. drop somewhat, and that the Xbox Slim will become like the new aspirational Standard. one that you want to get. Um, but why would I want to get also that one when with, I have the new aspirational one? Which also next year. will come with a new controller. Like there is a uh, new modified Xbox One controller being announced at E3. Is that it like ship. somewhere in I between? Have the... No fucking idea. Mm. Why is there what a new it controller? Is. I just know that there is a slightly redesigned controller shipping. With I would Xbox like it if it was. A, I would like it if it was a little bit more like the Elite in some ways. Right, but that's a hundred and fifty dollar controller. Sure, but I mean, like maybe there's made. simple things they could do, like you know, the stick mechanisms are the so same. Good. You know. Um, I don't know. Maybe if it had a switch, like to switch between configurations on the front of it, like that one does, which mm-hmm. I've actually started. So what about the? Uh, okay. So the other thing Slim is, is that that is coming in August. But where uh, am I really going to spend my money? Scorpio <laughs> is the next iteration of Xbox. I looked it up. Scorpio uh, ends November twenty first. I just thought if you were going to call, which it Scorpio, is the date that Microsoft has traditionally released consoles for, like the last two right, November twenty first, twenty second, like Scorpio. Um, dates. But uh, Scorpio is new Xbox hardware. That is scheduled. That is targeted to run at around six teraflops, which is in comparison to about one point three two teraflops for Xbox One, uh, one point eight two for PS Four, and so is it just improved GPU? Four point two for PS Four Neo, or has it improved everything? Improved, improved everything. Improved so memory it's... bandwidth. Uh, improved, like I think, more RAM and better RAM. Mm-hmm. So uh, it really is a whole new console. It's not just it's not, not just like compatible. a slightly. It's bump, so it's, it's I I imagine it's like the same sort of architecture, except like the next evolution of that from right. AMD. Do you right. think it'll well, still be I mean, called Xbox One? So people are, people are talking about the name. I don't I don't think we're going to find out what the name is. Mm. Uh, at E3 like, because I don't think Microsoft knows what they're going to call it. I yet. just feel like it'll be weird in store shelves. To be like a new thing. So the thing that I think people should expect, honestly, is that it's still called Xbox One. Like it has some kind of suffix to clearly identify it as a new console, Mm -hmm. like with like a wetter designation or like some kind of like new designation. Xbox One Elite. 
No, because there is an Xbox One Elite. Oh. That comes with one of those and has a hybrid drive inside of it. Comes with an Elite controller. That's what's under my my TV right now is an Xbox One Elite. I didn't know that. So it can't be that. Me either. Uh, so the thing is that uh. I would expect that the Neo will keep the PS4 name and the new Xbox One will keep the name because mm-hmm. part of the problem with backwards compatibility for these consoles is that licensing agreements and work for hire agreements for games are negotiated on a per platform basis, which means that uh, all of the games that are coming out that are backwards compatible 360 games or Xbox one, there is a degree of license renegotiation that is happening with a lot of those games. This is still an Xbox one. So, so yeah, like, so like the Wii U as an example is still a Wii. Hmm. Um, but even that, like you couldn't boot, Wii games into Wii U, you had to boot the Wii U into Wii mode to run games, and I kind of wonder if that is because of similar reasons. Mm. But like, there has to be a license renegotiation on on a lot of games to get them to be backwards compatible. And I wonder if a way around that is that it's still the same platform, it's just better hardware. I mean, see, that's interesting to me because, like, uh, you know, the the Xbox, both the PS4 and the Xbox One, when their specs and their components and everything were announced, just like. Oh, they're both moving more towards like a PC architecture. They are PC system, modified PC systems on systems on a chip designed by AMD with designs owned by the respective companies. Right. So that that makes me wonder where the distinction starts to come into play where like your hardware where your software is always backwards compatible from, you know, maybe the Xbox 1 forward because you're essentially just upgrading the parts in a so, PC. So, like, the thing for, for Xbox, and this isn't a thing for PS4, I don't know, like, what Sony's solution is. Right. Like, that might be why the Neo is more conservative from a hardware standpoint than mm-hmm. Xbox Scorpio is. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that Microsoft stuff is largely running on the UWP platform, which is, like, the thing that PC gamers love to hate right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, it's, like, a universal executable that should run on anything that runs, like, a version of Windows 10. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're just Windows machines in a way. I mean, yes. Like the Xbox One is running Windows 10. Yeah. Just like when it launched, it was running Windows 8. Um, like a very modified version of Windows 8 and 10, but still. Um, and like this summer, like the store fronts for Windows 10 and Xbox One will merge. Like you can get apps yep. that are on Windows 10 on Xbox One. Um, and vice versa. Yeah. So I theoretically, those idea. games should just run. Like, an Xbox One game is an Xbox One game, no matter what Xbox One you're playing it on, until finally, like, they phase things Hardware out like app. they would on, a, on like an, an iPhone. Right, um, or it'll have a notification. Note, before you buy it, this will only run on this yeah, version. Yeah, and I don't know, like, how they're <laughs> right. going to label that stuff, like, in a, in a retail environment. I really well, I mean, it's, since they're controlling the store, they should be able to read what kind of hardware you're on and tell you whether or not it's yeah, compatible. Yeah, f- for digital. For digital, right. But not... In a retail not, not environment, in and retail. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I guess it'll be something maybe on the yeah. back of the box that says "works on." Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be called. I don't think that they know. I think that it's like trying to figure out what what makes sense, uh, what kind of burden they're suffering from, like from the Xbox One name, whether that's a problem. Um, but obviously, like the biggest challenge for Microsoft, there are two big challenges for Microsoft. One is that PS4 Neo is probably coming this year. Mm-hmm. Like that seems to be where everybody is at right now that people think that the new PlayStation is going to come this year and it is a more powerful console. Um, the Scorpio is significantly more powerful, like about 45% on paper, um, based on their targets. Uh, 
that, that can change in, in it like, could change yeah. like sony could do something crazy like sony did with the ps4 exactly what microsoft did with the xbox 360 which is that when development kits are sent out before a game before a console comes out they'll be more capable they'll have like a lot of times they'll have more memory mm-hmm. uh, than a, a retail kit will have and Right. In the case of the Xbox 360, the development kit had 512 megabytes of RAM, and the retail kit was expected to have 256. And that's where the story of like Epic costing Microsoft a billion dollars by saying like this is what your game looks like at 512 versus 256. Like Microsoft could make that decision because they had a version of the console with 512 gig megabytes of memory, hmm. and Sony with the PS4 were originally intending for it to be four gigabytes of DDR5, and like developers sent not so passive aggressive like actively aggressive messaging like saying everything needs to be eight like you remember at gdc 2012 i think like you had crytek devs saying like there's absolutely no reason for a console to have four gigs of memory like next gen should be eight um Hmm. and so sony had eight gigabyte versions of the ps4 in development and so they just went with that instead uh, which caught everybody off guard. So anyway, um, stuff can change. Yeah. Like, yeah. And right now like, <laughs> it's like, you know, you, you've done your journalisms and there's, you know, confirmation from sources and right. stuff like that. Uh, I assume, but, um, you know, cause you're not one of those. I still wonder uh, if, but, it were... uh, yeah, it's things, things could so still change. So the messaging change. that Microsoft has to navigate around is like, if Neo comes out this year, why should people wait till next year? Hmm. Uh, to buy yeah. a new a new console, like a new more powerful console. I wonder well, if, it's like, if it's that because, much more powerful, that becomes your messaging, right? So yes, but still, like that was the messaging behind the PS3, and people still bought the Xbox. I'd be curious if they. I mean, I'd mm. want games that were unique for it, right? And so, uh, Scorpio is not ready for this year. Like, it is not ready to launch this year. It is in all likelihood not going to be ready until the end of next year. They're just forced into announcing it. They're, yeah, they're like forced into announcing it because Sony is going to launch this year and they can't look like they're unprepared. I wonder right. if the Neo thing will then not require the breakout box that they're shipping those headsets with. The for the VR stuff. Supposedly, mm-hmm. that's not additional hardware capability. It's like something else. Uh, totally for like. I totally forgot the PSVR hasn't come out yet. It's 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 so weird to me the, that the, it's, the, the yeah PSVR hasn't come yeah. The, it's it's almost E3 and I'm like oh yeah they yeah, October yeah that's just I, I I remember now but it's like oh man I thought I mean there's been rumors swirling that the Oculus is going to be on the next Xbox as well which is not that is not currently the case that is a misinterpretation of existing agreements. Um. So, so there's that messaging, which is like, why, why are people going to wait for this thing? How do we tell people about this thing like mm-hmm. a year and a half before it comes out, which Microsoft has not typically done. Like, that's not what Microsoft likes to do. Microsoft likes to announce and release within six months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you, you also end up spending so much more money on your PR cycle if right. you have to announce early. And so the other thing, is, the other more serious thing of messaging that both Sony and Microsoft have to deal with is like, how do you sell this new more powerful hardware to people that are already buying your system. Um, for Sony, it's like, how do you sell people a new console three years after the launch of your most successful console ever? Right. Like your fastest selling console ever for Microsoft. It's how do you keep people buying your console for a year and a half before your new console comes out? Because you announced, you had to announce it that soon. And how do you get them? to buy into this new more expensive thing 
Yeah, well, especially if you're about to try and l- release a thinner version and which in that like that's not weird. That's normal. Like, right. We're at the point point in the console. Totally. Cycle I'm just where, saying like, where you're going to have the argument where they there's a new one on the horizon and they know it and it's potentially more expensive, not cheaper. You why know would you I mean? buy the thin right. one? It's yeah. like that's I mean, a little tough. You would the buy thin the thin one, one is, because the thin it's one like, is for new buyers. Though, in all right? likelihood, the thin one is like extremely cool, extremely quiet. Like the mm. power draw on that system is going to be significantly lower. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. So, like, there are practical reasons to do it, but like, they have a lot of challenging messaging ahead of them. So, does Microsoft but, like start going to developers and giving them money and say, "Hey, make this make this game for Xbox One, but have it be." whatever scorpio ready or something just like so Neo the, ready games. the thing texture packs there yeah, there is yeah. one way in which microsoft is slightly ahead of the curve and which is that for anything that's third party there is a pc version that runs on windows that runs way better than anything on either console right so there is already like existing versions of those games pc that on high versus on ultra like yeah. the the numbers that are being thrown out right now is that like with a six teraflops machine that's like 4k at 30 frames per second with everything set to ultra wow that's i can i insane. can say playing fallout 4 at ultra on a 2k monitor is pretty great so like it, but that could change maybe like maybe microsoft can't ship it at six maybe no. that's like them telling developers that it's going to be more powerful than it is maybe that falls through like possible um and there are a lot of people like sort of like trying to figure out like whether that's a lie or how that could be true and i don't like i don't know what the hardware inside of that machine is i just know what the number that they're targeting is i know that their goal is to beat sony on the power narrative if it has this Mm -hmm. big powerful thing and and it's basically running windows 10 i wish at some point they'd let me play with the mouse and keyboard and offer me strategy games on my xbox one like and don't that, let like, me play mouse and keyboard and everything, but just offer me a mouse and keyboard for. And I like you know what? Five years ago, I would have said no because Matrick is a fucking douchebag. But I this is Phil Spencer's Xbox, and I don't know what that looks like. Yeah. Or I do know what that looks like, which is a massive change in direction. From That's what I mean. I'm just like if I if it's out. one united thing, I'm like, well then allow me to play that game that I bought, and, and I, I'll play it on my Xbox, and then I'll go play it on my PC, and I'll move my mouse and keyboard around. You know, it's yeah, like, and have it, your and, wireless mouse and keyboard. And, and so the other away. stuff yeah. that Kotaku talked about was Project Helix, which is like the integration of Xbox and PC platforms, hmm. which is sort of what it sounds like you want. I mean, like they've been talking about like Halo Wars, right? Isn't that Halo be, Wars is, is shipping on both? So yeah. supposedly Sea of Thieves, I think, is shipping on both yeah. at the same time. Uh, like Kotaku's original story listed Gears of War Four as a game that was list- launching on Windows Ten and Xbox One at the same time, which they fixed. But Schreier says that it just hasn't been announced yet. So I don't know. Like that could be a thing that gets announced at E three, but I feel like it just depends. Like there are a lot of people that. People are ready to assume the worst on anything that Microsoft does related to PC gaming, and I, it's understandable why. But so yeah, I, I like it's going to be an extremely interesting E3. Uh, it's been awful sitting on this fucking information, trying to get it confirmed <laughs> for like a month and a half. Hey, but guess what? This year's E3 is going to be fucking awesome. <laughs> I guess because yeah, like, it seemed like it wasn't right yeah. for a while. It didn't seem like it, it was going to be a particular yeah. interesting year. It's going to be awesome in the sense of. Watching these two com- fireworks, yeah, these yeah. companies like well, it'll, very. It'll be a lot like when maneuvering around each other. Right now, it'll be a lot like when they announced mm-hmm. Xbox One and PS4, I think, and there was a lot of that pricing being like, "Up, oh, we're going to lower price." Yeah, 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 yeah. Two weeks ago, everyone was like, "I wonder what Sony's going to do at E3," 
And now literally everyone, including Sony, is wondering what Microsoft is going to do at E3. Yeah. Because I'm virtually sure that there's like half an hour of Sony's press conference that they're leaving open until Microsoft has theirs so they can play. Well, yeah, Microsoft had the initiative going into the console announcements and they've almost got it potentially right now. So that's why. And they go first, right? Yeah. Yeah, But that's like, that's that's been a problem for them for the last three years running. Yeah. Those conferences always come down to the last minute in terms of like run a show like oh, the, I know but I'm saying the, the Microsoft going first has always been kind of a problem because then they don't get to see Sony what Sony has does. a chance to completely change their DRM run, run business B instead model of A and eliminate <laughs> stuff from the box to totally uh-huh. undercut their pricing yeah funny how that works <laughs> well I think Microsoft knows that they can't fuck up their Windows and digital store gaming initiatives again I, I think that it's interesting watching this stuff unfold because like this is such a clear shot across the bow of what Microsoft feels was like one of the main narratives of this console generation, which is like the PS4 runs everything better. Hmm. And because like the PS4's tariff operating is about is like 0.5 ahead Mm -hmm. of the Xbox one, which is like a good 32% give or take more powerful. Hmm. And so now Microsoft is like, fuck you 45% more powerful. (laughs) Um, assuming they can ship it at that and assuming right. Sony doesn't, even if they don't ship it at that, even if they ship it at 25% more, it still, it still like, becomes the narrative. I hope that it's not $500 again though, either. So that's the other thing is that How like, can it not be, the though? question is what they launched it by not including connect. Oh, well, yeah, that's a good point. Like, there will yeah. not be a connect included no. in the next no, Xbox console. <laughs> I like. <laughs> I don't even know if you can find an Xbox console Scorpio. now that has connect no, in the box. No, like you go to like not if you randomly walk in a Best Buy. Yeah, exactly. Like none of them have connect. I, I'm, can you even buy it? Like I have seen cars? connect sep- I have seen a connect separate before. Yeah, those are you can buy those separate now. And like I like my connect. I talk to my connect all the time. But like. How Obama watches you. I like. <laughs> we, I covered mine up for a while because I was like, man. I'm we like, talked about this like years ago on the show that like there were rumors that Microsoft was working on a new, more powerful connect to ship with every system. And I remember like being adamantly like, that would be a terrible idea. Like, it would be really stupid of Microsoft to force people to like to include connect and drive up the price. I, I do really like the voice commands though. I really like the voice commands too. So give me a remote yeah. with a fucking mic. In or just like, put a mic in yeah. the controller. Yeah, exactly. Like my Amazon fire thing has a remote, you know, and yeah. I can just turn it on when I want it. And you know, and then please put an led, a hardware led light on it. That is, uh, only connected to electrical throughput and has no software driver associated with it so that I can tell when somebody's hacked my Xbox and is listening to me. <laughs> oh, so like a like a an activity light on a webcam, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> also, um, uh, capacitive buttons don't. Just, no, can we can we go back to physical buttons? Who knows? Uh, on the console, yeah, I turn um, my Xbox on all the time. Yeah, like yeah. People, people at work walk by so people at the desk and like they'll, their butt will brush up against it. The PlayStation needs a big revision on their power and eject buttons too because I, I mix them up all the time, first of all, and I also hit them all the time when I don't mean to. Um, so yeah, so uh, E3 is going to be really, really something. Yeah, I mean, when, when Nintendo said they weren't going to show their new thing, I was like, oh, well, we're not going to get to see any new right thing. Right around the time that that came out is when we sort of started figuring out that all this stuff was going to be And now we're going to see like, all the things. <laughs> like, you, like, a few weeks ago, I was tweeting about how, like, you shouldn't buy a console right now. <laughs> like, now it's a really bad time to buy a video game console. Uh, maybe because of this stuff? 
maybe I was just, you know, thinking out loud. Also, like, I wonder why there have been fucking awesome Xbox One deals all over the place, all over the internet for the last week. <laughs> flash and burn, like, flash and burn. Here's an Xbox console that's $350 with five games and an extra controller. Really? Yes. Cool. That's a, wow. goddamn. Yes. That's a fucking great deal. <laughs> and but you know, the last time I saw that happen was right before they announced the Xbox 360S. Mm. Yep. <laughs> this year's like the connect fun. xbox 360 like the smaller one i think i think you know they i think they you know they have their pr push about the new consoles they try to get people to buy the xbox ones or the xbox one slim or whatever but i think they've just probably acknowledged that they're going to have to take it on the chin and try to win it in the next round i think that they just need to tell people look like all of all of the games that come out on this next system for at least a few years are going to work on your Xbox One, and all of your Xbox One games are going to work in the system. Yeah, which is the same thing that Sony has to say. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Like it's too early. They have to commit. Yep. Will, will it? It will be three years if it releases in 2017, like late 2017. It will be about three, four years. Four years. So that's four years for Microsoft is like the same as the gap between the Xbox and the 360. Yeah, which I think is actually an okay. Like, yeah, conflict. I think that people are, are into it. Yeah, um, that like that's an okay console cycle. Well, yeah, I mean, like, like the the eight year console cycle was a once in a once in a I don't know once in the history of humanity kind which, of thing. And like <laughs> third parties, like when they were rolling into year five, they're like, yeah, this is great. And by like year seven, they're like, okay, this is this is bad. Like mm-hmm. this has gone on too long. Mm-hmm. The, the people I kind of feel bad for this fall are the third parties, though. Yeah, yeah, because they're just getting used to the architecture. And no, mm-hmm. like when people buy hardware, they're not buying games. Like there's only so much money to spend okay. yeah. in a crowded fall and Ubisoft and EA talked about this when the Xbox one and PS4 launched, which is that like they had to tell their investors, look, when there's new hardware like this and a lot of interest in it, like that is money. Like if a million Xbox one sell and a million PS4 sell, that is a billion dollars that people are not spending on software. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's like that, that is simple math. Mm-hmm. And so this fall, it's like, oh, well, here's like the cool new Xbox One Slim and here's the PS4 Neo and here's PSVR. Like, that's a lot of fucking hardware. Yeah. Yeah. During a very crowded software season. Like, yeah. this feels like a very busy fall. Thank God for Steam sales. Video so. games. All right. Video games. Video uh-huh. space games. Yeah. <laughs> you can write in all your letters post E3 and tell us the, what was wrong and what was right. It's letters at eat-sleep-game.com. You can pester us all on Twitter. I'm at Chuff Money. Uh, Matt's at Talking Orange. Arthur's at A-E-G-I-E-S. And uh, James is at James underscore Faulkner. I still don't play rugby. Still doesn't play rugby, so. <laughs> Not cricket, careful. Cricket? No, cricket. It was cricket. Cricket. Yeah. Be careful who you message. Yeah. Uh, you can find <laughs> stuff that James does over at IGN. That's his employer. Yeah. We got, we got, we got a cool thing today. We got a fly pack. Which is like uh, basically you shove all your like live equipment into a box, and like you basically those like, things are crazy. Yeah, like it has mo- built-in monitors and all stuff. It's really cool. No one cares about that, but me. It's but super fucking expensive. It's very expensive, but it's very cool. You can talk video work with Matt over at Area Five TV. Working on uh, Outerlands. Yeah, still, still, and uh, you can go to Polygon to read the stuff that Arthur's doing, such as his Doom review, and uh, you can go check out Marvel Heroes. It's all over the place. You'll find it. Don't be a dummy. (laughs) Use Google. It's not hard. All right. We love you and thank you for listening. And with that, we're out.